Listen up, squibs. You may find this podcast to be fucking explicit. Brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brendan. And with me, I got Ben. The other host, Ben. And we've also got a nice guest host here with uh, the mysterious Jeff. Greetings and salutations. Mysterious Jeff is back. And to round out this panel, we have Shadowsworn Adam from the Shadowsworn Radio Hour. So how is everybody doing? Great. Doing good. What have you fuckers been up to? Anything good? How's life? Everybody happy? Relatively. Holiday weekend, man. <laughs> holiday weekend. What, what's not to be happy about? I'm not going to get into work. Yeah, Adam looks so, so shell-shocked. Gonna, then your eyes were yeah, so wide. Yeah, because I was like, do I talk about my situation? No. Um, uh, no. Everything is great. Uh, just like like all Americans, when you ask me how I'm doing, my answer will be fine. Everything is fine. Um, Gaming-wise, things are cool. Good. Good. I got, um, uh, I'm got. i continuing my, my quest of collecting Starship Battle Simulator games. So I got Star Wars Armada. And I nice. have, dude. Excellent. I was at Game Depot today, and I just happened to walk past that section, and I saw that those are like fifty dollars for a ship. Yeah, for like one ship. Yeah, I basically am planning on figuring out um, the minimum spend I can do so that I can deploy a star destroyer and then uh, have my kid play whatever the rebel equivalent <laughs> is to fight that, and then just lay waste to all his all his stuff because um. Yeah, I, it's, I have that. I have X-Wing. X-Wing's worse because you have to buy all the little tiny ships, and they're like 15 to 20 Dude, each. I know. I've looked at X-Wing a couple of times thinking like, oh, this could be fun. And then it's like, no, there's this is – it's like like to get like fucking Slave 1 is like 25 bucks. It's twenty nine ninety five. Yep. Oh, just for Slave just 1. Just for Slave 1. If you want the, the base set, uh, I actually have two copies of the base set because I got it. It was uh, on clearance at Target. And it's the new one with the new X-Wing and the new TIE Fighters from the new movie. Um, but I have two of them. So if you want one, I will just give one to you because uh, I've got an extra copy. Well, I do appreciate that offer. If you ever want to play, just hit me up. All right. You know, I will maybe let I'll you know. try it. Come down and try yeah. it. It'll be right. fun. Try Sounds it. like a plan. My kid um, broke my TIE Fighters. Like That was the first thing that happened was the one I opened. He like snapped the, the wings off the TIE Fighters. because they're. Ri- I, you remember TIE Fighters. they got the really little tiny arms that hold the little yeah, big yeah. wing pan. Yeah. First thing, you just took them out. <laughs> so, so those had to get glued it's three Vader's times Tri-Fighter now. It's Fighter from the end of uh, episode uh, four. Now his his stayed together and he just spun into space. This was I like the he, whole thing just came apart. Was, uh, I think he was missing a chunk out of a wing. Yeah, I, I think because he eventually leveled off and then he flew away. And oh, did he? Uh, yeah, which I don't really understand the leveling off because it's space. Anyway, there's a lot of resistance. I think. There could be, yeah, and uh, and I also got a resistance. Really... Well, that's pretty much who was shooting at him was the resistance. Oh, the oh boy, here we go. So this is descending into madness already. So uh, the reason we've been we've been gathered here today, all these August personalities that we have gathered at the uh, FMRPG table of heroes and villains, is that uh, we got a special request from our our um, longtime listener homie um, Mario Torres. Mario's a um, Big fan of the the podcast from before there was even a podcast. What's up, Mario? Yeah, Mario's a great guy. Mario's a great guy. And he's done some art for us. And uh, 
he was really interested in a conversation that we were having. I, I don't can't think it might have been on Shadow Sworn, honestly. No, it was a couple. Anyway, whatever. I, I digress. <clears throat> he wanted to hear about GMing styles, and he wanted to hear about the GMing styles of the people that come here and, and put together this podcast. So we're gonna do the usual roundup and the little banter and all that shit, and then we're gonna um, and then we're gonna talk about GMing styles. And so we've brought in Jeff to hear about his. We've brought in Adam to hear about his, and then if you're very lucky, and we have. Uh, time Ben will tell you about his, and then if you uh, if you still want to hear it, I'll tell you about mine. Um, why don't we talk about uh, what's new with gaming, guys? What are we up to? <laughs> we'll, we'll well first first thing we'll do is we'll take a little musical break because I love to insert music into these things, and then when we come back. We'll talk about what you guys are doing gaming. All right. Sounds great. good. See you in a few. Enjoyed those sweet, sweet tunes. Uh, so, what are you guys been up to? I'm still working on writing my uh, Imperial Guard uh, only war campaign. How's that going? Good. I finally, I finally kind of got through my writer's block. I was reading some uh, short story compilation shit. Um, it kind of got me some inspired on just some of that. So, and it was non GW stuff. It was non GW short no, stories. Non GW, just sci- general sci fi stuff. Sure. Like oh, okay, I wasn't sure if you were reading like the Graham McNeil or the Kyphus Kane or any of those. No, I was just I was just reading one of those. You know, you get them at like Barnes and Noble that like best sci fi of whatever year. And it's <laughs> With like, always oh. the weird covers, and you're like, I don't know about this. But yeah, those I, are really good. Yeah, yeah. There's like really 30 or 40 Sometimes, short stories yeah. in yeah, there. That's true. And a couple of those I was reading recently kind of sparked, and I'm so I've got my basis and i don't want to go too deep in it because i'm thinking a couple people at this table might be playing in this campaign oh really yeah but it's basically your your guardsman on a um fairly nice planet on leave when the shit hits the fan and something attacks you and now you've got to try and rally tr- other guardsmen the civilian population and make a decision. Are you going to hide and try and ride out the storm? Try and get in touch with the ships in orbit? Try and get up to a ship in orbit? Try and send a distress call? Or what are you going to do here? Pledge myself to chaos. Okay, that'll work. <laughs> um, there go. First opportunity. Give me your blessings. Because, you know, that, that assumes that, what, that what's going wrong has anything tied to chaos. No, everything's got to tie to chaos. I don't care. I'm just going to go find. I'm going to skulls for the skull throne, blood for the blood guy. I don't, I'll just hit all of them. And hope that one of them takes notice. Okay. Just hit them all up. Slanesh is in each. We'll make some rolls and let you know how that works out. Ergle. Yeah, just whatever, man. We're perils of the warp test. I don't care. <laughs> Find a psyker and just be like, yeah, just start doing stuff. Let's just start doing stuff. Just start doing stuff. Let's see I what happens. I want you to put my name down on the cord side here. Yeah. Yeah. Just just watch out. Just watch out. Gun to your head. Do what I say. Well, yeah, and I've, I've, I've pretty much locked out uh, 
no depth corpse of Krieg characters since they never actually take leave. And uh, also, it's to kind of keep it as a, a what about catching jungle fighters? They don't take leave, do they? Yeah, catching oh, do. do. Oh, all right. I, I wouldn't imagine you would be allowed to, but okay. Um, I thought that was an active war zone like all the time because of its. Uh, anyway. Oh well, yeah, but that that's talking about uh, Katachin squads deployed on deployed on Katachin. Right. They do send troops out to the rest of the galaxy. Oh, on like goodwill, like USO tours and stuff. Uh, yeah, like Captain much. America. Tie they... to the Emperor, dude. Yeah. yeah. You got to tie to the Emperor. All right. The Emperor de- demands much. So it's going to be, and also none of the uh, specialists are going to be allowed. So no ab humans, no commissars. It's everybody's a straight line trooper. Can I play Death Watch? Uh, since those are Space Marines, no. I won't be Death Watch. I'm only playing if I can be Death Watch. I guess you're not playing. All right, then. <laughs> Shit. Well. <laughs> working on anything else? I, that's the big thing I'm working on gaming right now. Um, doing as much board gaming and stuff as I can sure. outside. But that's the thing I'm working on. The only project I'm working on RPG-wise. Cool. Cool. Well, sounds good. That sounds fun. Yeah. Right on. It's good to have you back in the saddle, man. It'll be, I'm, you know, I'm thinking it'll probably be another four or five months before I finish writing it enough. My God. Well, we'll get into process. We'll get into process. Because I, my God. Anyway. All right. Ben, what's up? What are you up to, man? Well, I'm super excited because I'm sure that Shadow Sworn Adam's going to talk about it here on his turn. But, but this next week marks the launch of his Gamma World game. And I'm super it's excited true. to play it. Gamma World. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited for it. How, do you have any idea how long you're going to run this game for? I'm going to just play it by ear and see. I want it to be gonzo and weird and fun. But if it, the whole thing is, anytime I set out to run one of these games, I'm like, this game is going to be gonzo and weird and fun. And it's we're just going to sit around the table and have a really good time. Uh, they tend to implode spectacularly in the first session. And the, the one I'm specifically thinking about was when I was going to run Paranoia for people. And I had this whole group of people around for Paranoia. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be great and just weird and really funny. And Everybody just played it completely straight-laced, and just, I'm trying to protect my character, and I'm trying to really just, you know, do what I think is the right, and I was going, it's paranoia. You... So, anyway, we're wow. going to see. I, yeah. I'd like to run it yeah. for a while and, and have some fun with it, but I'm, we're going to see I'm, how it goes. I'm super excited. I think it's going to be a blast. You want to uh, do it as, like, a campaign, right? Yeah, I kind of wanted to do it just as, like, a campaign to, to kind of go off into the into the the wilds of phoenix the radioactive ruins and uh explore those and try and uh you know help out the the people of the junction solve their problems that sounds great that sounds great maybe open up a chicken shack yep maybe open up a chicken shack yep (laughs) i don't know i'm just pitballing here why not we can have a lot of fun with this i mean it's gonna be good you could open up a chicken shack there is a what mayor cluck cluck from from the junction See, there you he's, go. He's out I like there. it. Remember, bats are the chicken of the cave. Yeah, chicken of the cave, right? right. <laughs> That's right. And uh, according to China, uh, rats are the chicken of the sewer. So Ah, yes. Yes, they are. Tunas are chicken of the sea. Yeah, see? We'll have a lot of fun with this. Everything's just, gonna be everything's, just tu- everything's just chicken. Some yeah. variety of chicken. You, you guys are running that um, against my uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess game. Otherwise, I'd be involved. So I, I wish you Godspeed. Should be a good time. You foul, foul minions. Take 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 the dark word because you're playing down at Game Depot, right? Correct. Yes. Make, yep. make at sure, the depot. Make sure that uh, everybody knows who is responsible for this abomination. All right, I'll run over say. to other tables and just flip them over. FMRPG sends their regards. Oh, all my minis. That is greatly what I was looking for. Anything else going on, buddy? Oh, you know, I'm 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 almost at the point where I can I can start running some trials for my game. Um, I am, I mean, 
we're all sort of busy right now, so it's true. Things are I'm gonna kind of see what happens on these Sunday sessions with Adam and see if that sort of peters out pretty quickly or not. And <laughs> Thanks then, for the vote of confidence. Yeah, no, I no, gotta no, say no, no, that no, was yes. wow. No, no, no. What the Look, fuck, dude? Hey. Guess what? Now we're gonna run my my homebrew erotic My Little Pony <laughs> adventure after that shit. You just, yeah. you just you, said it might it might implode. It might oh, yeah, implode. Yeah, yeah. I, I suggest Adam that you larp the shit out of that. Oh, it and, is. And and, uh, and fucking. <laughs> God, man. Princess Equestria no, not, invites you into her chambers. It. I'm not trying to be asked about it. It may be the case that the game like spirals out of control. In, like, it could be. It's, it's, yeah. It is a very distinct possibility that it will implode on its own in a, in a spectacular fashion, well, which honestly hoping, are, are some of the best stories. And I'm so. hoping to corral, like, at, when, when, when there's ready to be a change there, I'm hoping to corral, like, you know, some of those players. When, and, like, bring when, when the players melt down Adam's game, you're hoping right. to like, yeah. seduce them over to your game because you're like, oh, this the chemistry that we have going here is clearly right. so vibrant. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to fill a void. You know what I'm saying? That's, That's right. all I'm saying. <laughs> He's just a squirrel trying to get a nut. You know exactly. what I'm saying? You, you got you to cut him some slack. Oh, my God. He's just trying to fill a hole. Um, uh, Adam, what's up? What's up, player? Um, yeah, so I got my copy of Beast that you got me, and super super excited about that. Beast the Primordial, or or uh, as I've heard other people refer to it as, hit or miss. So um, eh. we're gonna see how it goes. Uh, it's got kind of a mixed review. I like yeah. the I like the basic idea behind it. So I think I'm I'm excited to read it. I think it'll be pretty cool. Well, I hope you enjoy that, man. Yep. Happy birthday. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Very excited about that. Uh, otherwise, I got my Gamma World game and then my spaceship games I've been collecting. And I don't know, just a bunch of random one-offy stuff that I have floating around. So yeah, yeah. Let's see. Um, I kind of have scaled back on the Age of Sigmar that I was doing. I was doing really. I was doing Age of Sigmar like twice a week, and like uh, it was really becoming like one of those. Um. Was it spiraling out of control? Yeah, I will say. Was it starting to go like all <laughs> requiem for a dream, I, I where was, you were like having this? I was trying to doll it up to make it sound real polite and nice, but the fact of the matter was, it was just getting a little bit bonkers. Right. I was going a little bit bonkers playing it. And another thing that Mario wrote in in his in his uh, missive to us was, "What's up with the war hammer, man? Do you hate yourself?" And the of answer, course you do. The answer to that is yes. I the do. answer, yeah, is always I yes. Do. It's one of those things where you can't <laughs> stop, though. You're it just was, like, eh. that has nothing to do with the fact that you're playing Warhammer. That's I, just, I, yeah, I mean, I was, I was close to joining him. I was this close, this what? close to like jumping on the wagon. Oh, what? Patty keeps asking me about like my vampire and undead army, and she's like, you know, you can play it, and it, and I'm just like, I don't have those anymore. I got rid of all that stuff because, like, if you are uh, an addict, you don't keep your piece and your kit. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you got to well, get rid of all that crap and and go clean. And so I was like, I, yeah, I don't have it. I'd have to start all over again. And that's I found myself flipping through the the, uh, the Grand death Alliance book. death book. Yeah, at Grand Alliance Death, and I was looking through it. I was like, oh, it's so sweet, so sweet. Oh, the flesh courts. I, oh, nope. I got to put yeah, this back. Yeah. I got to put it back. I'm I'm glad that you that I didn't manage to pull anybody into the throws with me because right now I'm. I'm at that point of the addictive cycle where I'm like, I can manage this. Right. So so I, I have it all in tubs. I haven't sold anything. I'm not going to sell my army again. But I haven't played in a little bit. So that's I'm kind of trying to chill the fuck out. Does on that have anything to do with the people that you have to play with, though? No, it's... honestly, I've met a ton right. of really great people. And I've met a lot of, pe- a lot of people that are down. Because that's the one thing I remembered back from when I was doing Warhammer was just the weirdo, semi-toxic... Uh, Environment in which I had to play. I, no, of most of the, the most were. of the super toxic people from that shifted on over to um, 
X-Wing and... <laughs> good. That's good. That's good I, to know. I, I feel an like, armada. I, I feel oh, like okay. right now yeah. there's, there's, there's this uh, great scene in Games Workshop where a lot of the hardcore tournament players are very disaffected with it because their rule sets have become very kind of jumbled and... They, they, they've said basically, oh, these are storytelling games. They're meant to be piecemeal. They're supposed to be toolboxes. So there's not like a, 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 a an official canon in the way that there used to be. And that's bothersome to a lot of people. And so I feel like now you can get get out to the game shops and you can meet like-minded people. And you can say, oh, hey, let's do a narrative campaign. I've met so many people who are doing narrative campaigns. They're like, let's do escalation leagues. Let's do slow grow leagues. There's like a lot of friendly people who are not weirdos who want to play that sounds so nice unlike what my experience was in the past where people would be like what are you playing and then you'd be like well when i tell you you're gonna pull out a list that's specifically designed to counter the thing that i'm playing so like why don't we just put our armies on the table oh no 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 Uh, you tell me what you're playing yeah i want to see your list i think those guys are still out there a little bit but i've become a lot more savvy about spotting them and then based on um Brinton from uh, Dungeon Punks and his mm-hmm. and his story of just like some guy trying to rules layer him in a Warhammer game mm-hmm. and he just scooped. He's like, okay, yeah. I'm going home. I forget yeah. this. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. You know, because we're all too old. Life's too short. I just want to play fun games. I don't want to have death struggles with people. Right. I just want to have fun games. That's the thing. And I just remember playing people and it was like, oh, you know, okay, so you found out I'm playing orcs so now you're fielding every assault cannon you possibly can. Like, this yeah. is not going to be a fun game for me and it's really right. the only joy in it for you comes from just dominating which, like, congratulations. Like, you beat a guy who's half-hearted yeah. into this because you're acting like a tool bag. Yeah, and I I don't think that any hobby can really sustain itself if, you, if those are the people who are at its core. And I think GW has done a great job of t- kind of getting the, the the idea out there that the, the game does not have to be like that. And, yeah. and that's been very successful. Maybe I, all those people now have an outlet on the internet to like spew all their venom everywhere. Yeah, I have no maybe. idea. So maybe. maybe that's where they're all at. I don't know if that's going to be a, a move, though, that GW survives. Since I see a lot of their product for Age of Sigmar showing up on the, uh, the discount shelves is not moving. I think that... I haven't seen a lot of it. Yeah, like, you've... you've You've overlooked the fact that it, the game stores have actually started re, re-buying into it. So people are stocking it deeper now that General's Handbook is out. Like General's Hand, and, and, and I'm not going to lie. Six months ago on Instagram, if I went through my Instagram, I couldn't, there was no Warhammer Fantasy to be seen on my Instagram. There was Frostgrave and Mordheim. People were playing mm-hmm. Frostgrave and Mordheim. Now I go through, I, I, was, I scanned through my Instagram feed. It was, it was Age of Sigmar all over the place. I actually went through an uns- like a complete addict. I unsubscribed to everybody who just had Age of Sigmar pictures because I was right. like, oh, this is going to make me crazy. Yep. So anyway, the whole point was is that I, I put that stuff aside. I'm trying to kind of scale back on that. I'm trying to focus on my role-playing game right now. I'm working. I'm, I'm doing a Lamentations of the Flame Princess game with uh, some coworkers, and you guys heard about that the first session a couple weeks back. Th- You're that- thinking about converting it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, because second world, right? The second session was so weird. It was such a weird session. It was just uh, the warlord Amanda couldn't play, and then one of our players, Claire, had 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 brought these big boxes of like high end white wine, and so everybody was getting got kind of tipsy really quickly, and. Uh, First, the noob mistakes started happening, where they started splitting the party and doing all this kind of crap. And right. Then, and well, then that's they, yeah. Then that's they, did, they did the, the next noob mistake of of let's create an 
overly elaborate plan to deal with a straightforward thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ended up happening that really that really interested me about it was they're so into the process of role playing and describing what's going on with their characters that they were actually playing on a much more advanced level than I had anticipated them doing. I had kind of thought that they were going to say, like, I attack with my sword and roll a d20. Right. But instead they were telling me all this crazy shit, like, oh, you know, I, I run through the cave and I, like, slide on one knee, like, underneath the beast, and I tend to slash its belly. And I was like, shit, you know? And I didn't I'd tell them, okay, roll d20, and they roll d20, and they go, I miss. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, you miss. And next turn, try again. And it just took all the, like adventure and uh the emotion and tension out of it and so i was like well this is just punishing them with have this, you with this system have you thought about the john wick of like failing forward like okay well you miss but explain to me how you miss like explain what that looks like because you had this idea you were gonna slide under it and slash its belly so that didn't happen so instead explain to me what what you think happened instead of that? Like, do you run into its leg? Do you drop your sword? And well, and what, see I'm, if... what I'm doing is, is I'm just switching over to Dungeon World, which essentially just does that. Okay. The Dungeon World, I've been reading it right lately, and it's just amazing. It's an amazing game. If you want to bring somebody new into role-playing, start with Dungeon World. And there's so many Powered by Apocalypse games out there now that you could you could do that with Gothic Horror you could do that with post-apocalypse. You could do that with weird war stuff. You could do. No, that see, with I'm gonna make everybody start with BattleTech and then just like sit there and fill out tables all day. See, well, I mean, and that's I was that's gonna be their that. introduction to role playing. This th- is what role playing is about. I think about. that for like fill years and years, out. there was like this incredible barrier to entry into role playing that actually winnowed out creative people. You had to be sort of weirdly mathy in order to get through the rule books. And start playing, and then they're like, "It's about imagination." Right. But it, but in order to get to that part, you had to read like a 500-page book. I remember there was some rules. alternity book I was reading where it was like there was trigonometry in the book, and I just went, <laughs> "Yeah, nope, done. I quit. You win. I like I, I don't want this to be a job." So, Brendan, please tell me when the, they were splitting the party, you ramped up the uh, the paranoia factor by having players come and meet you off to the side. No, there was no need for any of that. It was this very straightforward dungeon crawl. But what we're it doesn't matter if there's need for it. it <laughs> there, there's need for it because of the paranoia. I, so I, I'm really trying to bear in mind these are all new players. We're yeah. trying not to break them yet. I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> that to, comes later. I'm trying to like really cultivate the hobby and like what I consider to be a new generation of of, of potential players. And you see, people are so excited for it in the wake of things like. Stranger Things, and just and just there's a lot of millennials out there who are playing the games, and they and they know that their friends are playing, so they want to try too. I just feel like this is a really golden opportunity to to bring in some new blood, and that we shouldn't miss it with the same old bullshit. You sure, know but that's one of those great always, stories. The you know that first time your party gets infiltrated by a doppelganger. Yeah, that, maybe a little bit further down the line when they wouldn't be disillusioned by that. Right. You know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, let them. Taste the sweet nectar of success before the 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 the, the, the bitter tartar of defeat. That's right. How about that? Well, the, but the Stranger Things too. I have to remind myself not to like piss all over it because when people tell me, "Oh yeah, Stranger Things," and it's like the game, and I was like, "Yeah, but it's not really like a fireball is not going to stop Demogorgon." 
Fireball is not going to stop this creature. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're talking about when they do that. And actually, it kind of broke me out of, you know what? Strange Things is great. That, it's a lot of fun to watch. The same thing <laughs> happened with Yona. I, he was like, you don't roll to hit with a fireball, do you? It just comes down at a point, and then you roll the damage. There's, but there's no rolling to hit. I'm like, I don't fucking remember. <laughs> you know, like, whether you roll to hit with a fireball or not. Does it really matter? Yeah. And I think that Dungeon World is great for that. Right, because it, it abstracts all that away. But yeah, I just remember I was trying to remember back to, to classic D&D, and I was like, I don't think that's how that spell works at all. And then I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I need to stop doing it re- that. It really does Because there's that whole part of my brain that just does that with every geek thing that gets presented to me. I go, that's not what Star-Lord looks like, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's exactly. just, I always have to, to stomp that voice out. Like, I have to, like, choke it out. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's important. I thought, I thought the idea was to release that voice to make its comments on the internet. Well, I mean, apparently that's what everybody else does. But, you know, it's like... It, I have to understand that a lot of this stuff is not being made for me or it's being made for other people. You know what I mean? Like they can't make Hank Pym a wife beater in the movie because that's not going to go over well. You know what I mean? They've got to kind of, all right, we're not I mean, going to It's been like that. one movie, dude. It's been one movie, but I don't think it'll ever come up. No, I don't think so either. They didn't make like Iron Man really wrestle with his uh, yeah. alcoholism or <laughs> Yeah, anything, exactly. So. so Anyway, anyway, so I'm switching over to Dungeon World after the next session, and uh, I'm hoping to have the, the girls on who play with us sometime to talk about to talk about that game. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about Dungeon World perhaps at another time and how excited I am for it, because it does have exactly what you're talking about, Adam, the kind of idea of like sort of failing forward. Uh, and I guess that wraps up what we're doing, huh? Right, guys? About right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll take another small break and then we'll come back and we'll sort of track what uh, products people are watching. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. Cool. For now we stand alone. The world is lost and blown. And we are flesh and blood to sit With now. We're going to talk about stuff that's new. So what's new out there, Mysterious Jeff? Yeah, where'd you get this new, dude? All right, so just as an update, last time I talked about I was kind of checking out this Armored Core game on uh, Kickstarter. So they changed the name on it, and I got to say, I'm not impressed at all with the game. Uh, Everybody's busting out their phones. It's now called Mech Command RTS, a real-time board game. Game. Right, right. Yeah, we were looking at this. Yeah, and I got to say, I'm giving it the uh, the Cleong back turn. Why? I finally saw some video on how the game works, and it is a fuster cluck waiting to happen, in my opinion. So basically, you start a timer, everybody starts moving their pieces around the board. I would do like the way that you target other stuff, because you put, a, you put your mech on a base that has an LED light, and if anything passes through the light, you can shoot at it. But... 
there's no, from what I see, there's no penalty to, if you can find a good place to hide, let everybody burn through all their energy for the turn, get stuck someplace, you get a line on them and then just pound the crap out of them with your guns. I just, I, the game is one that I've just not, I, after seeing the more video on it, I'm not interested. Huh. All right. Um, That's that's disheartening. That sounds weird. On the flip side on games, I am excited for. Well, what I will say about that mechanic, just as, as a last thing is, um, it will, it's probably designed to limit the problem that I've had in a lot of games. Like, uh, uh, what the hell is that game called? Um, oh, Axis and Allies and then Twilight Imperium, where you have a person who just takes four ever on their turn um and so i i am willing to bet that is just an attempt to be like let's quelch that so that you don't have one person who takes you know like a half hour to decide am i going to call a vote or not and yeah but i mean you can solve that with just a timer running on each person's turn right yeah you can and and that that's i'm thinking maybe what maybe what they're trying to solve yeah but this is all all players taking their turn simultaneously they're basically trying to make it like a real-time computer game right so it's faster All all right cool um I am excited at Gen Con, which was just about a month ago now. Um, Flying Frog announced that they're going to be doing a new Kickstarter for Shadows of Brimstone, introducing a new base starter set. Oh, interesting. It's going to be a Japanese, or yeah, Japanese setting. Really? Yes. Same time period? Same time period, completely integrable with um, existing Shadows, so... You can either use it as another land you can get to through the mines or as its own standalone and then buy Shadows add-ons to use in it. Wow. Wow. That's supposed to start Kickstartering sometime this fall. Nice. Cool. Cool. And they also announced that the um, the one other world that they never got quite funded enough on the original Shadows Kickstarter is going to be the Else world on the flip side of this new games tiles so it's and it was this uh, sort of a belly of the beast kind of you're running through like a giant alien life form cool so that's going to be what's on the flip side of the japanese tiles well right that's on. something to look forward to huh yeah I'm, I'm excited about that right on um that's what i've been keeping an eye on cool well i still keep my eye on kickstarter as well i uh i'm still uh waiting for uh i mean king of storms is still going so those people who, you know, uh, maybe heard me talk about it last time and are still interested in it, get out there and pledge, man. It's a cool-sounding game, uh, GM-less RPG um, with a homebrewed system. Sounds like a blast. Um, I also I just want to put a little out there that uh, the new Magic Block's about to drop here um, and a uh, new world that they're going to, which... You know, they've been doing this thing where they've been releasing uh, role-playing games for the worlds they've been doing. Uh, yeah, D&D online. settings, online, yeah. PDFs. Online. I, I downloaded online them. There were two only. of them, and, and they were actually really well done. They looked really and cool. This world seems like it's going to be really cool, and I think it's worth watching to see if they put out a, a setting for that. It's going to be a sort of a, uh, kind of Middle Eastern theme, kind of... Um, kind of uh, um, like a artificer heavy, kind of... Like uh, it seems like it'd be really fun. Uh, could be a really good uh, uh, a steampunkish kind of world for a D and D setting. So I think that's worth watching. Cool. Very cool. Cool. Neat. How about you, Adam? Uh, I got an email from Cult today, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like they're probably going to be revamping their shipping stuff based on the contents of that email. Because uh-huh. when I got it, I was 
going, I don't think you're going to be able to mail me this for what you told me that I need to pay for shipping. And they were like, oh, well, our pledge thing will be up soon and you'll use the money that you pledged for shipping for other items and then we'll figure out what you owe us based on what you're getting. And I was I, going, I, Well, actually, okay, it, it that's... doesn't. that's not entirely what it says. I got that same email uh-huh. and I was very excited to get it. Like on one hand, the art for the for the really the nice super cool art i'm excited yeah. too i'm very excited it looks really cool but i just could not put i couldn't pin down what they were saying about the okay. shipping here's what they said about the shipping when you paid for your shipping it was a flat rate that assumed you were only getting the book right and you didn't get any add-ons right so now we're gonna have to go in there when we do the backer kit and pay for the add-ons to be shipped but they exactly. also said you could use the money you, you had you, paid for shipping to get additional add-ons. Yeah, if you wanted to buy more add-ons. If you wanted to yeah. buy more add-ons, which I was like... You've been spending the last six months like, like languishing and regret right. that you didn't buy a bunch of add-ons. Now you can buy them. Right. So that was the thing where I was confused. I was just said, oh, so are they telling me the money I paid for shipping is not going to be used for shipping and now I have owe you extra money? Or is it, oh, well, this is an option anyway we'll see when the I, backer kit I drops honestly i really want to see when the backer kit i don't drops. know why they said that thing about well you can use the shipping money to buy add-ons i'm like why everybody lets you it, add add-ons after yeah, the fact because toxicity the did the right same there. thing to me they were like yeah. hey do you want to buy all these add-ons i was like yeah. no i don't want to buy actually, your dice i don't need d6 i have like a million <laughs> of them it's a funny story i actually bought some of the add-ons i bought the posters and we're going to put some of it at work. It's going to be badass. Oh, yeah. Those Mark Kelly posters. Fuck, yeah. Fucking good-looking art, dude. That guy's killing it. Yeah, man. So I, I haven't seen them. You'll have to let me check them out when you get them. Yeah, oh, no problem. Man. They're they're pretty sweet looking. Dude, dude uh, Adam Adam is now on Instagram. I am now on um, Instagram. Do you want me to tell him that where you're at? Sure. You can follow Adam, Shadowsworn Adam, at Adam, A-D-A-M, dot sync, S-I-N-K. Yep, That's it's going to be art for, the, art for the Dungeon Degenerates monthly thing yeah. and then pictures of my kids like every other lame suburban dad. So, I mean, you know, get, get on it. That's, if, if you're listening, that's to this, pretty if amazing. listening to this podcast, and Adam, I highly suggest that you follow um, Grim Ventures, mm-hmm. which is the artist Mark Kelly. Okay. He does a lot of work for uh, White Wolf and Onyx Path and for whoever the fuck made the toxicity game. But, man, he's good. He's real good. All right, I'll check that He's one out. He's real too. good. So yeah, I've been finding out all about Instagram. I, I resisted it for a long time, and then finally I was like, all right, fine, I have an Instagram now. I have like a thousand people on it, and everyone's adding me, and my phone won't shut up. And yeah, just turn off those alerts, dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta turn off the push notifications, <laughs> homie. It's like, it's you only like, say oh, like only when you get the important ones. Yep. Yeah. So. So uh, what have I been collecting lately? Well, you know, I've been juicing up on the old. Uh, Dungeon World books, that's cool. But nothing, the, none of the lines I follow have released anything. The There's a new D&D book out, Cloud Giant Massacre Attack or something. Uh, Storm King's Storm Fury. Revenge. Revenge. Fury or Revenge, Revenge. or Storm King Revenge. something or other. I got it. Yeah. It's, it's coming. I'm getting it. So. It's the one with the giants in it. Yep. I'm, I'm kind of holding out to see if we get a promo copy from WotC. I don't know. Mm, all right. Uh, I, I I gave them money, so I'm gonna get it. So so that's that's exciting. I looked at one in, at the depot today, and it looks good. It looks very similar to all the you know current adventures they've been putting out. It looks. I'm very, really excited for like the Volos Guide to Monsters. Dude, and that's coming down so the good. They Super look so stoked good. for that. Super stoked. Yeah, they look really cool. So um, so we shall see. Yeah. 
And then uh, this weekend was the Grand Masquerade for the 25th anniversary of Vampire the Masquerade in New Orleans. And I follow a couple Instagrams and some people who were at that. And I did see, because one of the big, my big beefs with Gen Con this year was that White Wolf didn't come out and really say anything about what they're doing. And apparently they were saving up their big fat load for Grand Masquerade. Uh, so White Wolf did a presentation, and I'm still kind of waiting to see what the fallout of it is, but they did put a soft sort of date on what they are now calling Vampire 5th Edition. Okay. Which will be... 5th Edition? 5th Edition. They're counting... They're counting third as, a, as an edition and 20th edition. Because it was second edition, edition revised. Which they're now counting as third. third. Which they're now saying is third because that is, they expressly said it's not third when it came out and went to yeah, pains to say Yeah, but we all that. knew it was a third. We, it, we knew it was third. Yeah. They released everything. All right. I, well, always anyway. thought that, I always thought that they were being rather cheeky by trying to tell us that that was not an actual So they edition. did the classic uh, obfuscate uh, sneak attack thing. Who? White Wolf. They they were obfuscated oh. for Gen Con, and then they launched the yes, sneak attack. Yes, they at the, did. Right. They did. It was an Asimite ruse. Yeah, it was. Time. It's no no yeah, quietus obfuscate, and then it's just so vibration. Ch- ch- lots lots of quietus because yep. they said nothing. Yep. But so we can Stabby expect stabs. we can expect fifth edition Vampire the Masquerade in 2018. I hope they move the timeline forward sound- and. Oh, they're Address going to. Some of that they're going stuff. to. But this is going to be a whole new game. What you have to understand is this is a new game, and the and the they're writing it for crossover, and they're they're writing it for common mythology. So they're rewriting the mage metaphysical universe and the werewolf metaphysical universe to correspond with the vamp the vampire metaphysical universe, so that. It's going to be, like, like they've been saying, one world by night. So it's like exalted, kind of? I don't know about that. All right. we'll, I, we'll will, I will remain we'll tentatively see. excited and cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I think that 2018 is going to be here a lot faster than it sounds. It mm-hmm. sounds that you, you hear that, and you're like, oh, my God, it's so far away. It's like 18 months. It's less than that. Yeah. yeah, it'll be yeah. here soon. Yeah, and it it'll probably be. get here before my copy of Cult does. So <laughs> <laughs> that's almost guaranteed. At this yeah, point. I know. <sighs> wah, wah. So, so, so they're kind of calling it like VV in these in these two shapes that look like fangs, right? Two V's, Vampire Five. I don't, I don't like that. I know, I knew you wouldn't. I knew. Uh, you yeah, it's almost trying to be too cute. That's. Eh, you know what, White Wolf? You do you. I, you yeah. I'm going to buy your products no matter what you do to them. You could make a book called Fuck Adam Sink and Everything He Stands For, well, and I would buy it. They, they did. They did. That's already called... in the second print. Oh, okay. Third edition masquerade. It... Anyway, anyway. Oh, yeah. That's true. They... <laughs> I forgot about that. It was the leather-bound copies that I still have sitting at home. Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I've been tracking. That's pretty much it. I guess that sounds hot. I'm looking... I'll... I know I'll be at least plunking down my cash for the uh, the base edition on that, the, the core book, and see how the systems are. We're all going to buy it. Yeah, no. stop <laughs> being all coy. Like, 
you're just gonna lay on your back and spread your legs, and it's like you always do. We're gonna op- we're gonna enthusiastically liable. buy it, and yeah. then open it, and then Come argue on. about it, and yeah, argue about it online, and then yeah. read critiques and read. Oh my god! Oh, I, I, I fully. I'm gonna buy the core book. Yep. No. And then we're all going to run it, and we're going to yeah. be like, oh, you're not doing this right. Oh, you're not doing that right. Oh, your house rules are stupid. Oh, I don't understand the way that you're, you're interpreting followers of Set. Like, are they followers of Set, or are they Setites? Which one is it? Which nomenclature are you using? I mean, we, Set of God or a vampire? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who's in the Black Hand? Right. Does the Black Hand exist? Anyway, anyway. What's an Enoch? Who are the Arlau? Yeah, Exactly. Well, it's so, all about the children of Osiris, baby. It will be fun. Oh, but yeah. let me tell you, it, I am just happy that they're back, and it's just going to be so much fun. I, uh, the only thing I want from them right now is more, more, more. Give me more. Yeah, we need we need to figure out if it's like um, the McRib is back or if it's uh, like dibs uh, on the Malkavian ice cream truck. Uh, oh, you know what? I call dibs on killing your character session. Or it's like this, this, the Slim Shady Guess Who's Back back again. It's going to be <laughs> oh, one of those boy. two. I don't know which really? one it's going to be. You had oh, to go there, boy. didn't you? All right, I, I all had right, to go there. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna required. take a tiny break. One more one more song for you guys, and then we're gonna um, get into the serious meat here, which is how do the assembled members of this brain trust I have before me? How do they do it? How do they craft such well-articulated stories? All right, great. Momentarily.
are going to talk GMing with um, not just some of the best GMs I know, but some of my favorite GMs as well. They're the same people. <laughs> what were the odds? Uh, so we got we got Jeff over here. Jeff, Jesus Christ. How long have you been GMing, dude? How long have you been doing um, this thing? I first picked up my screen in 1998. Okay. That sounds like a thing. I remember so, that. So 18 years ago. Okay. All right. All right. And Ben, how about you? How long have you been GMing? Well, I started around the same time Brian did, um, running games for the guys back in high school. Maybe maybe a year or two earlier than that, uh, running some some weird games over the summers. Um, and I took a long hiatus, uh, and like I'm twenty getting, years. Yeah, I'm getting back took in like, the saddle. Took, took, took like a sprightly twenty years off. Yeah, more like probably like fifteen or six. No, maybe seventeen. I don't know. Okay, get back in the saddle though, and uh, you know, run a few games here recently, and. Uh, Working on uh, another game that I'm then writing the system for and writing the game, and I think it's going to be a blast for you to play. Great. Nice. Adam, Adam, how long have you been doing this thing, man? Oh, man, a long time. I was in a Dungeons & Dragons club back in before mi middle school, so a long damn time. Um, it's a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, it's probably not. Then I took some time off when I moved back here, and then I got back into it in high school, probably junior, senior, yeah, junior year of high school. So uh, that would have been 94, 93, 94. Uh, but before that, a little bit with my Dungeons and Dragons club that met after school. Um, nerd. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. What a fucking nerd. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hey guys, <laughs> hey, guys, look at that bookworm Parker. I got some <laughs> I got some ass kickings back then. And, uh, you know, well-deserved or not, I don't know. Probably well-deserved. But anyway, I, I took some beats for that one. It was definitely not the thing you wanted to be doing at the time I was doing it. And it I was bet like right after that girls, whole satanic huh? panic thing. and. It seems like every time I got back into role playing, like something happened because it was right around the time I got back into role playing was the vampire stuff when everybody yeah. was the Marilyn Manson, and then Columbine happened. Well, no, right before after that, that there it, were those kids who killed their they killed their parents oh, because yeah, they the were they who, were LARPers, right? They the were LARPers, and they, yeah. and oh, they I heard about that. That was when we were in high school, the, yeah. down, right? Like down in Florida, yeah, yeah in Florida, Florida. Yeah. yeah. And it just and I remember every Florida time I got into role playing, there was some shit show that happened that caused all kinds of problems. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been so it's been a long time. I think I started, I think I I started uh, GMing in, I think nineteen ninety six was the first year I GMed. I started gaming seriously about a year or so before that, and then I had done sort of like Adam did, where I had some friends at like a private school, and we had some books, and we were very young. We didn't really understand how they worked very well because they were kind of hard to read, and it was sort of boring, weirdly boring. And but we were like, "Oh, hey, look! There's all those cool pictures and shit. Like, oh, it just says that you roll dice to make things happen. So like, uh, so I ran some games for friends, in which I would say things like, "Roll that dice," and then they'd roll it, and I'd be like, "Yeah, you succeeded," because based on just arbitrarily deciding. And mine was all West End Star Wars. When okay, I was running it. Okay. That was what got me back into it and running it again. I think I ran. Top secret SI for for some friends <laughs> and uh, maybe some D and D. I can't really remember. I, I certainly had a lot of D and D modules that I would buy. I didn't get back into D and D until three which was 
Oh, you I missed out. That. You missed out on all that gorgeous second edition shit. No, I played second edition back with my D&D club in middle school. Oh. Wait, that was AD&D, but... Okay. Okay, well, in 1996, the guy who was running games for my club, my group, uh, graduated high school, and we didn't we didn't really get along with him very well. So somebody else had to start doing it, and it ended up being me. And then I just kind of never stopped. And then for a while, I was definitely let that kind of be this part of my personality where I was the guy who ran the games, and I sort of didn't want to share the spotlight with anybody, and so I made it difficult for people around me to, to run games. Uh, I don't do that anymore because what a fucking waste of time that is. Uh, I like to share now. Better, better, better at sharing with my toys. Um, so who wants to kind of start off? Who wants to talk about talk about their 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 GMing journey? Who wants to go? I mean, like, what are you asking us there? Are you asking us? I, I want. Okay, here's what I want to know. Here's what I think the, the the audience wants to know is like when you take 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 us through the p- creation process of a game like what goes into it for you like what what is your process what are your inspirations how do you how and then and then when, all the way up to like game time and even when you're when you're running the game like how is it that you do what it is that you do and i understand that you know we're going to probably talk about this for like an hour or something and uh probably each one of us could talk about this at length for an hour or write a book or something but just kind of, just kind of give us the Cliff's Notes version. Well, first off, I got to find a system that's that's doing something for me. Okay. What and what what kind of systems do something for you? I mean, I, I've run Vampire World of Darkness systems extensively. Okay. The Fantasy Flight Dark Heresy Warhammer 40k systems a lot, and I still, I mean, I go down to the game store all the time, and I'm flipping through the books, looking for something that jumps out at me. Sure, sure, I feel you. Um. Nine times out of ten, I'm going to fall back and either run something based on uh, World of Darkness or Fantasy Flight because those are just those. You know, you always kind of end up running or D and D. I mean, and those systems aren't very similar, to be totally honest. It's not like you have like like a one trick kind of thing. No, they're all very different systems. You guys, if you guys want to say something, feel like you can jump yeah, in. For oh, sure. Yeah, for sure, don't, don't, sure. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. Listening, enjoying myself. I'm just letting them drop some truth on me. Truth yeah. bombs. So you know, once I decide on the system, then it's time to start coming up with a story. Okay. And I read a lot. I mean, I go through, you know, about a novel every couple weeks. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted revenge for the nerds. I did. Yeah, I wanted it, revenge it for the nerds. It didn't work. It didn't work. Didn't work yeah. dude. Wow. <laughs> and you know, I'm watching movies and You're shit. Like an so I wait until I see something kind of I can use as a nugget, as sort of just that first little kernel of a story. And once I kind of sort of have the first kernel. I start trying to flesh it out. And I end up throwing out probably 90, 95% of the first ideas I have. I kind of kind of write up a paragraph or so on them and realize that either this is so derivative that there's no mystery or no like fun underlying story to be told, or I just don't like any of the ideas where I can take this and I just oh, throw it me. away. Everything I put down is gold. 100% <laughs> gold. Oh, okay, you're better man than me. carat all the time. So once I get once I get that first kernel and kind of that first paragraph written out, I start then trying to build the scenery for the game in my mind. Okay, uh, elaborate. Uh, like uh, I'll give you a good example. What I'm working on now this this guard uh, only war campaign. Sure. 
So it's a big part of this is the players interacting while they're on leave. I want to start, I start imagining myself, what does a world that Imperial Guardsmen are likely to be on leave look like? What does it feel like? Prayer world. Yeah, is it, is it going to be a shrine, a shrine world? Yep. Is it going to be some type of sort of pastoral world that's been left somewhat undeveloped as a pleasure world for the rich and powerful? And maybe these little guardsmen were lucky enough to win a lottery that lets them spend a week in paradise? Um, are they crammed in the belly of some gigantic hive that they're just one amongst billions kind of shuffling through, but they're have a little bit of freedom and credits because they're guardsmen on leave. So I start playing with those ideas and what the world is going to look like and what they're going to be doing there. Then it comes time to start building the plot. Once, once I have sort of this world built in my head and what the sights, the sounds are, it's time to start actually who's the villain. What's the villain's motivation? What's the villain trying to do? And how are the guardsmen going to get caught up in this? I, I've i done it, especially when I was a younger GM. The, all right, you're all called in front of the prince. and <laughs> Yeah, the classic, the classic thing. The classic call to adventure by some sort of, you know, omnipotent hero guy. It's almost video games, too. Yeah. And that's one of the things I hate about video games. going to tell you what to do, and here's your rails, and like, let's go. Yeah, or, yeah. all right, you're all in a tavern. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I try to avoid that now. Sure, yeah. I, I feel like I've grown past that. So now I'm trying it's to... It's stale as fuck. Yeah. So I'm trying to write something that... All right, the villain's going to start his action. You're going to, in some way, observe this. Do you choose to take part and try and stop it? Or do you run the opposite way? And what what are the results of both of those actions? Okay. So as I do that, I'm going to be writing more and more... Uh, for me, I, I try to have as fully fleshed out bad guys, if I'm going to make it a campaign, uh-huh. as I can. I want to really know all of the bad guys' motivations, why why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's critical. I don't want it to be some cartoon character or Disney villain. Mm-hmm. Twitching their mustache. Ha-ha! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't know. Sometimes you just want to take over Eternia, man. That 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 was a problem for me with like the um the first uh series of adventures that they came out with for D and D five, the Horde of the Dragon Queen, and then a subsequent Rise of Tiamat right. sequel. The villains in that had no reason to do anything that they were doing other than that they were villains in a role playing game. They yep. just they just <laughs> felt they acted like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they were just Yeah. They were hilariously sketched out. They, they, well, yeah, they yeah, were so they bad. Really have a reason like, to yeah. do the stuff that we're doing. Yeah, that was the thing cuz I was reading it thinking, "Oh, I want I'll, I'll run this cuz it's the new adventure and I remember some of their fourth edition adventures being pretty good and I sat down and I wanted to do it and I was just kind of oh, oh, Yeah. Oh, eh, it's it's oh, a eh, People eh. have run the shit out of that thing. I just think it's yeah, I just did the Larry David thing where I just kind of looked at it, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. If you remember, there was even some of that back in the old White Wolf days. Some of the the prepackaged city books. You're like, oh, we're the bad guy anarchs because they gave us leather jackets. I don't know what you're talking about. Samuel Haight was a complicated, oh, well-developed character. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. You were saying. So. Once I get it to that stage and have the villain fleshed out and the and the world fleshed out, um, generally at that point I try to do character creation with my with my players. 
Okay. And what what's that like usually? So I get I get the potential players together. We're going to set aside two to three hours for character creation. I'm going to probably give them about a 20-minute synopsis of what the world looks like and what they're like what the like a game like this where we have sort of a specific role being guardsmen like what brings them to this world if i was if i was doing a vampire game i'd more sit down and just tell them this is the city introduce sort of the major npcs that everybody knows and then start hearing from the players as to what they're wanting to play what their their archetypes are okay once the player party is formed, then I'm going to do some final flesh out on NPCs that I know, you know, have an 80% chance or higher that the players are going to want to interact with in the first 10 sessions. Okay. First 10. Well, I figure you know, depending on the first 10 hours of gameplay. Oh, okay. That makes more sense to me. And generally I find like a lot of my games, I'm just because of time constraints. It's, it's rare for us to get more than an hour or two in a night. So I generally plan first 10 sessions, each session being about an hour long. Wow. Okay. Okay. Short sessions. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the kind of the, the, what I've been having to deal with recently with my own time constraints and player time constraints. It's, you know, yeah, you it's get gotten together, harder as I've been older. And you get together, you bullshit for half an hour or so before you start playing. You start playing and then, you know, so it's only two to three hours get burned up. And there's an evening. Sure. Yeah, I feel you. So I'll flesh out those NPCs and flesh out those locations even more. Start working on whatever plot hooks players gave me during character creation. Mm-hmm. You know, did someone give me a cool flaw to work with? Or is some character looking for someone they care about? You know, maybe maybe one of the guardsmen joined the guard to try and find a lost love or their... Uh, or they're joined out of some sense of duty for some sin committed by their parent. Mm-hmm. But start working. How do I work these in the story so that the players get that emotional feedback so that their character is more alive to them than just a bunch of numbers on a sheet? Right. Uh, when we get when we start getting closer to the actual game sessions, if I'm going to be using music, I start listening to stuff in my music collection. To kind of decide what I want to use for that night. And also, if there's any like music I want to tie to a specific place or a specific person. Now, you were saying earlier that you take like six months to write a game. Why why do you take six months? Well, I'm thinking What's, this one's... Well, that's, the, a, that's a long time. I'm thinking this one's going to take me around six months right now just because of my work schedule. Okay. I don't think I'm going to have more than an hour or two... In any one week to throw towards it, mm-hmm. and when you're when you're not having able to set apart large blocks of time, you know the first twenty or thirty minutes when I'm sitting back down, right? It's context switching, so it's lost effort. Exactly. Right, and you never know how you're going to feel that day, and all those other things. Yeah. I hear, yeah. Okay, I understand that. So that's where I'm thinking. Just give myself a safe margin. It's going to take me close to six months just to finish all the little tweakings and get ready to to sit down with players and play that first starting session. So how much latitude do uh, um, players get in making their characters in your game? It depends on the game that we're playing. Like for this guard game, I'm not giving a lot of latitude Mm -hmm. simply because certain concepts or archetypes are not going to work within the story that is set up. Such as? 
Well, for those people who aren't familiar with the uh, Warhammer 40,000 universe, there's a group of guard called the Death, Death Corps of Krieg, okay, okay. which are these like super hardcore guardsmen that like from day one are told, you are worthless, your last gun is worth more than you, your only value is in dying for the Emperor. Man, last guns suck. Exactly. Well, that's that's got to be hard on your morale and your self esteem. Right, and well, and they're given drugs and all this other shit. But these guys. Oh, that sounds all right then. These guys though are such so brainwashed that they're basically meat machines. They're not going to be having leave on a planet. Period. They just go from like one war zone to another. So it doesn't make sense if a player is playing a Death Corps of Creed character, how they're ending up on a on leave but i mean that's like very technical i mean other than that what are kind of options do you give your i mean what kind of options do you give your player characters uh they can choose from any of the other types of uh of guard regiments so essentially there's a there's like a a menu inside of the book and they're allowed to pick up of the menu there's in fact and there's even rules for creating their own regiment Okay, I mean that's all very specific to this very specific yeah. right. game. But in general, what what's your philosophy here? You know, generally, as long as I've got the rules for it and have read them, I'll let a player play just about anything that makes any sense whatsoever for the system and the setting. Okay, why is that? I, I want them to have fun. I mean, this is. Unless something's going to be just so disruptive that it's not going to be able to tell the story, or it's just going to be something that, like, uh, I'll give an example of a yeah, yeah. We talk 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 about this. Years ago, I was do, running a Pathfinder game, and it was um, basically set in a good. I can't remember if it was a neutral good or a lawful good city. And one of the players really wanted to play a. Uh, there was rules out to start playing as the as abhuman monsters. Okay, yeah. And the type of monster I want to play is one that's evil. And I'm like trying to explain, no, you can't play this because you're going to walk into the city and the city guard are going to attack you. Like, you're going to show up and be attacked. So either we now turn the entire game into being about you and you hiding, or you got to play something. Or it just it's not a playable character with the setting. Well, does someone play tiefling or something? Is that what they wanted to do, or what were they doing? No, it wasn't a tiefling. It was. And what, why couldn't, and what was wrong with what, what was there? Was it like a bugbear or something? I don't uh, remember, but bears. that's a problem. It was. It was. But it was an evil, inherently evil character. That, like they had to take an evil alignment. And how did these guards were? The, how did, were they going to know? By race, it's like the 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 race is one that racist guardsmen. Exactly, a classic. I mean, it's a race. That, it, Sigh. It was one of those races that was always at war with humanity. Okay, all right. It just didn't fit for the setting, so I just didn't yeah. want to do it. So this, it's a weird this this old saw yeah, again. This old right. saw again is the no, I mean, we've, of this race we've discussed people. this on oh. many of our f- prior outings that like the the whole D and D fantasy setting of just races attacking each other automatically. And the problems that leads to. Yeah, yeah. you have that same thing in every game line. Like, if you're, oh, I'm going to play Adventure, I'm going to play Bruja, I hate you, I hate you, uh, fisticuffs, you know? Or, or well, and, and, and in the vampire world, okay, if we're playing a primarily Camarilla city, uh-huh. and someone wants to play a bloodline that is only Sabat, and so openly only Sabat that there's 
not an easy way for them to hide. Right, but some... there's an interesting idea of like infiltration you could do with that, or like, oh, are sure. they the one who's like, who you know, are they the Elric of their race? You know what I mean? Are they like the one good one who's, or the Drizzed Jordan? They were like, I'm yeah. the one good one who's going to turn against all of the bad stuff my people have done and try yeah, and redeem I mean, them. And that's the whole thing of like, like, oh, are you allowed to play Lysandra in anti-tribute or not? Right. right? Like, oh, there, here's the stats for it. Here's the rules for making one. And then essentially there's this kind of winking line in the the clan outline where it's like, well, you're not really allowed to play one because there's really only like four of them. and. You say, oh, well, I want to play one. Right, and but then the, every book the they big, come out with totally what, runs counter to that. What's like the problem with me playing one? Oh, well, there's just really they really don't exist. And if the prince finds out that you're one, he'll kill you. Eh, like who cares? Right. Who cares? But well, the, and I, mean, big, I, I see the problem from both ends because on the on the other's end, you don't want to be running the like, oh, I'm special character. And then you get sick of that too when you're like, like everybody, like all the characters are like, oh, I'm the only salubrianti tribute, and I'm. I'm the only good Bali, and what I, I have found is any time I get a party of special snowflakes, they're all min-maxed <laughs> to like the nth degree. And they're all like they're all yeah. like wool Wolverines, right? They all like walk in, and they're all like I'll have their hood up, and they're like, "Hi, I'm the Wanderer from the Wastes." I'll just say is I'm the King of Guns. Berserker Barrage, or it's better known as Vengeance of Samuel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, so it just yeah. you end up with all these weird things where you're like, why is this in my game? Why I mean, do you have to play a weird character? Well, I want this one really specific. Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, you know, part of it also is looking at, like, one, yeah, when you've got the snowflake characters, how quickly it turns into being all about me. And so if you've got one snowflake and a bunch of other, like, characters that were designed to blend into the setting. Yeah, so but I think spend, that's more of a player personality thing than sure but but there's that player you're gonna person. have that problem no matter what with that player it doesn't matter if you make them play the most bolted down you know buttoned up paladin of whatever they're still yeah. gonna find a way to make yeah. the situation about them yeah you can you can do that very easily with mm-hmm. a just straight out of the book like quote-unquote conventional character right well, there's, sure, that idea, actually... there's that idea of malicious compliance right where it's like oh so you're gonna make me play like vanilla whatever. All right, I'm gonna play vanilla whatever. Let's yeah. do this. You I, know what I mean? Ben, and then ben, go just... ahead. I, I really think that that what what we're really talking about here too, though, on some level, is what the player wanted to do was wanted to introduce monstrous races as character class, right? Or as as playable characters, and that's sort of like a leap, right? Because that's like beyond like normal Dungeons and Dragons, right? That's something that like Eberron did. That's something that other session, other like uh, settings did. Well, I don't right? know. I mean. But, but I'm really trying to talk about the philosophy, well, yeah, but rather was, than the specific game. But, but that's why I was that's what I was getting to was that that in order for the player to be able to do that, it requires the dungeon master or the storyteller to, on some level, already like populate their world with characters like that. Mm-hmm. You know, to to what degree is it the responsibility of the game master? To create a world that is appealing to the sensibilities of each and every player at the table. And to what degree is it the responsibility of the players to conform their needs and expectations to the story laid out by the game master? It's a collaborative medium. So, I mean, if you have a 
GM or a GM who's going to sit there and beat you about the head and neck for doing what you want to do, then you're not going to have any fun. I mean, he may no. get the story that he wants out of it or to railroad you to whatever conclusion he wants, but you're not going to enjoy it. Conversely, if you are a player and you sit there and go, I am going to be as disruptive as possible in this game because you're not letting me play Jimbo the the Goblin King, you know, like it's <laughs> that's on you. And the other players in the GM are probably going to react poorly to your attempts to derail everything that's going on. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, it's collaborative. And I'm, I absolutely agree it's collaborative. That's why I want to sit down with my players and get an idea of their backstories and stuff. So that if they're, maybe their idea of a character is one that doesn't fit well into the universe, we can talk about how to make it fit or what. We've all dealt with that one player though, who's like, "I won't play this, and if I can't play that, you know, I'm not interested in your game." And it's and as I've gotten older, I've gotten to the point where I've gone, "Oh, it's okay to tell that person, okay, cool, then maybe yeah. we'll, maybe we'll play in the next game." Together. Sit this one out. Yeah, yeah, you can sit this one out, and that like I they get you get some intensely negative reactions when you do that, but at the same time, it's like, hey, you know, it's not we're not aligned here. I I don't I've I a long time ago hit the point that this is the world, this is the story. If this doesn't seem like something that you, sounds to you like you want to, is going to be fun to play in, there's other tables. My feelings are not going to be hurt by you not sitting at my table. Yeah. And I would rather you just look at me and go, you know, dude, this is not, this is not doing anything for me than to be that person who comes to my table and wants to throw a little fit, a micro fit each session by trying to force it into something else. Um, I don't want to deal with a player that doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And if if their condition of being there is that they've got to play the exact specific character they want, the way they want, no matter how disruptive this is to everybody else's experience, as well as the greater story arc that is there, I don't want them there. I, I got I got I got enough other people that would rather they'll take that seat and have fun. And make it an enjoyable experience for everybody else at the table. So, so what happens when, like, um, you got, you know, session two or three or whatever, and everything seems to be going well, and then things take a turn, right? Where, like, like uh, something happened in one of the games, and there was, like, a, a, a plot hook that someone else found really enjoyable, and they, like, maybe you didn't even see it at the time, but now your players want to pursue that direction. What happens? Well, if, it, if the players are wanting to pursue that, meaning, like, most of the people at the table have decided that this is a cool plot hook to go explore. Something you weren't even like you weren't even thinking about when you were first writing your story. Great, fantastic. I'll I will I will start spending time writing new shit for that plot hook that night. Right on. I, I try to run as much of a sandbox kind of game as I can. Now, one point I'll make is that if they decide to go explore plot hook plot hook X, that doesn't mean villain stops his plans. Sure. And that there aren't consequences from that. Now, depending on what that game is, you know, if it's a high fantasy game, that might mean that, you know, the evil army that they were originally supposed to go stop now storms the city because they weren't going out to stop them. Um, so, but no, I, I, I love players to go find something new and interesting. And you know what? If it kind of takes away and we start to write a whole new story off of that, I'm great with that. It, it, you know, I just... Um, I, I want it to be fun, and if, if the players are finding something that's more interesting than kind of the original little story arc, but I will throw in notes that they'll see where whatever the original story arc and whatever they were originally working on might still be moving forward. 
You know, it's not, this isn't like a video game RPG where unless you go and hit the next timer point, the, the plot doesn't advance for the bad guys. Yeah. Um, I want, I want to hear from Ben. Ben, talk to us about your process, homie. Let's get, what, what that, are you been up to? I think that, you know, when I was younger, my process was a lot more formalized in that, like, I tried to have, like, all these NPCs written out, and I tried to have, like, pictures for all the NPCs, and I tried yeah. to have, like, like, um... The good old days. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I think that with my introduction into more narrative role-playing, I tend to be a little bit more freeform about this, and, um... I basically start off with a concept. Like the last game I was writing for was, which I'm before the one that I'm working on right now was Kuro, right? Right. I was like, I was like, my concept for Kuro is Akira Japanese ghost story. Like that's that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be a mix between like Akira and Japanese and like Japanese ghost story. Okay. And um, then I, I, you know, I I, I guess I just sort of like figured out the way I sort of wanted the world to look. And I don't really worry so much about like, about like um, formalizing a lot of stuff, but, but really more along the lines of, of thematically what it feels like. That's what I want to try and do. I want to try, I want, I want people to sort of like feel the, like the, like uh weird neon or the, the, the griminess or, you know, I mean, sort of like that. And if I, if I, if I get people to that point, then I feel like I'm doing a good job, regardless of whether anybody remembers, like, you know, someone's name or whatever, you know? Um, and then I, I tend to I tend to sort of, like, I think, like, my style is sort of like what I did where I just sort of I, – I, I, I was approaching this because I was also going to run this as a con game. I was approaching it with pre-generated characters. So – but the pre-generated characters, I guess, were just dots on a sheet. That's all they were. And I gave them out, and I said, you know, this is what you guys are. You guys are biker gang. You guys are like a Bozozoku gang. And, um, you know, like, do with it what you will. You know, come up with a name. Come up with a bike gang name. Come up with what you want really fast. We'll, we'll deal this. Instead of, like, how I think at the beginning of, like, Apocalypse World, they sort of talk about, like, doing stuff like that really early on. Like, you know, like, um, like what have you been doing? You know, like, that kind of those kind of questions and stuff like that to sort of, like, get a feel for, like, where everybody is. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess then I just sort of like, after I give them sort of like, uh, where the things are and what's going on, let them go and then see what happens and just sort of try and join them along for the ride. I tend to be a lot more freeform. I think I don't tend to worry about like, um, pushing anyone into any sort of direction. I see it with like, I, for instance, I, I tried to see it with like a couple different plot hooks, right? Like I was like, Oh, well, if they want to investigate this instead of like dealing with the gang stuff, they could do that. And I'd be cool with that. Have you experienced, um, a loss of momentum? Have you ever experienced the, a lack of inertia on the part of the players where the players just simply said, well, we're just going to sit here. But that's the great thing about being the uh, being the, the dungeon master or the game, the storyteller, or whatever you want to call it. Because anytime there's that loss of inertia, it's really up to you to keep the game moving. You know, that's what you that's what you do. You like. Uh, introduce well, I mean, there is this idea of buy in. Yeah, sometimes they'll fight you on it. Sometimes, yeah. like really hard. Yeah, we, we we experienced this with Ravenloft. We had that terrible Ravenloft game. Remember that? Were you there for that, Adam? No, no you weren't there, there for, for that. that. It's like this guy was like, I don't want to go into Ravenloft. I'm pointing at Jeff. His 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 halfling thief. The guys arrive at the gates. He's like, I don't want to go in. And then there was like a 30 minute conversation of like, Well, are you going to actually go into Ravenloft or not? I mean, 
so it's fine to say like, oh, if there's something that you want to pursue elsewhere, you can pursue it. But are there are are there not times when the the rubber has to hit the road? Do you see what I'm saying? I suppose I think that like <laughs> um, that the those. The the Ravenloft game is an interesting one. He's yeah. got to tell him you left your wallet in there. Like, oh, you le- you left your wallet in there. The, the wallet's Ra- in Ravenloft. You got to go get it. The, the Ravenloft go game was, a, was Strahd an has one your coin purse for <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Um, it was uh, not the least of which was like a giant conglomeration of disparate personalities. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that certainly had a lot of effect there as well. Um, uh, truly. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, when I when I said everyone down, I was like, this is a Akira Japanese ghost story. So, like, you know, well, let's go with that. I, I think that you mentioned a good point here, which is how do you guys, all of you, this is for the table, how do you guys go about selecting the personalities that you have at your table? Do you base this just solely on who you want to game with, or do you cherry-pick people based on on what you think is going to appeal to them. I've never had enough people to where I got the cherry pick. I want people who are interested. If you want to be there and you want to game with me, then let's game and we'll probably reach some kind of middle ground. I, I've never had an experience where there was somebody who was enthusiastic about playing where we got into the game and they were like, we forget you and forget this game. Everything we'll just wait for Sunday, buddy. Stupid. <laughs> with, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, you. that's never happened to you? Right, like, <laughs> that's I, happened to me fucking plenty. I, it's just this one where it's like, a lot, I've had people who are just like, oh, well, I'm not feeling this, and then we, we work something out, but I've never had somebody who just like straight up like dropped the mic through the rule book in the air and walked out. You know what I mean? Well, okay. I've never had so anything that, it, like, that I, I've had the conversation either. with people who are like, oh, well, this isn't really what I want to do, and we, we reach a conclusion, but if they – or a consensus – if they want to be there, they will make it easier on you. If they're just one of those people, if I'm just, oh, I think you'd be really good for this game, let me talk you into it. A lot of times, those don't go so well. No, no, I know. But, I mean, like, when you're writing a game, do you think, like, oh, this is going to be, like, a Victorian setting and it's going to have a lot of themes about death and when rejuvenation, I write so I'm going to get this I, guy and that guy? Right. Or- I write something that would that I think is going to be interesting and fun, and if the players want to take it in a completely different direction... Uh, that's fine. Usually I start with either I want to run this system because I like the idea of this game or I have a germ of an idea that's like, oh, that will work very well in this system. And then I start going forward with that. And I do that artist way thing where I just sit down and I start brainstorming. Uh, yeah, the artist Or I just start way. writing. And even if I don't write anything except I can't think of anything to write, and I do it by hand uh, because for yeah. me, I find writing by hand to be uh, – a much better way of getting my creative process flowing and engaging all of my senses because you've got the smell of the pencil and the lead and the sound of the pencil scratching on the paper, the tactile, um, and the visual, all of that auditory. You've got all that taste. If you want to rip some of the paper off and eat it, I don't know, drinking the coffee, all that. Sure. You can involve more of your senses and it gets you more into that zone. And I just start going from there and I'm like, okay, here are my ideas. And I used to have this very, I'm going to go with this story and this is what we're going to do. Um, and what I've gone gone with as time has gone on is, okay, I'm going to have a hook to kick things off. Then I just want to have this environment and pepper it with other hooks. And I'll get you on something. 
I will get you interested in something and we'll move forward with that. So how do you get them to the spot though, where they get interested in something? Cause it's, it ain't like Skyrim where you can just like wander around and like fight bears it's, and shit. Right. It's so I have kind of more of an open world approach to it these days where it's like, okay, I want, I'm more interested in building a cool setting with cool people in it uh, and interesting NPCs and interesting locations and if you don't want to do any legwork and you want to sit in your parlor and like sip tea, your strawberry daiquiris or whatever, and not move forward, that's on you as a player. I find that a lot of players sit down at the table with this kind of um, this kind of self-satisfied. They kind of like shuffle their papers and then they kind of like right. lean back and right. then they wait for me to say right. something that's like, why I will like always "Oh, the have... ninjas kicking the door right. now you gotta respond that's you why know? i will always have a kickoff thing so it's always so like what do you a, do with your kickoff a call so it's like in the one that i'm gonna run on sunday it's a hey there's this town that has put out a call for help if you don't want to go do that uh okay then there's not really anything for us to do but there is at least a hook to get you started and so you require the buy-in you require an initial buy-in right there has to be initial buy-in there's gonna be first if you show up to the session and you go i don't want to do anything my character just sits in it like okay then that's great so so are we saying as a table then that 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 we expect first session buy-in I expect you to want to be there and to want to play and to be interested in what's going on. If you just want to show up there and just be like, man, whatever, and lean back with your hair and your Fonzie jacket and there's, there's, all that shit. Like, we're saying that there's, there's like a social contract that like, oh, I'm throwing this game. Yes, so I assume that you're medium. making a character that is interested in this game. Right. Because no. I've definitely had it where it's like I've had characters. I've had people play characters that like weren't interested in anything. I had I had Heiligman. He played a character that like worked at a coffee shop. And that's all he wanted to do was work at a coffee shop. He didn't want to do anything. I had I had Tim. You who just wanted, leave him at the coffee shop. Then you just check to, back in with him periodically. Hey, so how's it going? How's the Arabica coming in? Is the roasting process going okay? Remember Tim, who wanted to play the hacker who lived in a concrete box underground and didn't ever leave it. He just hacked things. He didn't ever leave. Well, and then AJ wanted to play the hacker that was like paraplegic or whatever. Oh, he wanted to play the paraplegic hacker <laughs> that didn't that didn't leave his van. He just lived in a van. And then we had AJ also played the uh, the uh, wizard guy who didn't want to do wizard stuff. He just wanted to walk around winning the lottery all the time. I will say, yeah. like, the only time that I've ever made characters obstinate for the sake of being obstinate was when I had to uh, generate them. Like, I could, I didn't get any input into the process, and it was like a dice rolly, okay, at the end, here's your character. That was the only time I was ever like, I'm not invested in this guy, and I don't want to play him. It's well, when I got see, no input. The, the funny thing is, is I actually like AJ's idea on some level. I think that could actually be a really cool character in like a cyberpunkish game where you have like a character who everybody else just knows they're not on site. No one knows who this person is. They don't even know they're paraplegic. Maybe like, you know, like I think that could be kind of cool. But uh, I, I actually like his homeless wizard better as an idea. I think that there's a lot actually you could do with that. Only the way that he did it was terrible. Well, I mean, and the problem is like with the, with the paraplegic in the van. Also, I mean, it could be a really cool idea, but whoever's playing it, it's almost better for someone who's going to be dropping in and out of the game. It's an awful lot of complication introducing your character right off the get go. Like yeah. you are essentially limiting your character or very severely straight away. You're well, you're a contractor that like uh, your group of shadowrunners knows that like. Um, you know, they can contract with to do jobs. You know? and, and that's what I'm saying. It's almost great for someone who's going to be dropping in and out of the game and maybe not it's a... better as an NPC, really. Yeah. Right. yeah it's, it's like, it's who needs that NPC. guy as a PC? I usually made hackers NPCs in any cyberpunk game yeah, I was Yeah, I mean, we've yeah. been over that, too. I don't know why they put stupid flaws in these books. 
like paraplegic. I mean, like, yo, White Wolf, why would you put that in there? You know, or, well, or but I mean, he wants quadriplegic. X, like the, the quadriplegic was in was in was in uh, uh, Vampire Players Guide, right? But Quad- maybe there's a like, guy out like there who wants to flaw, play seven who point is flaw. who has that disability, who has an idea, and is like, I understand how to make this work, and I've you know, I'll I'll work with it. I want to play a character who's representative of me. I don't. I, you know, that's not for me, but maybe that exists for a reason. I don't know. You know I, don't, I don't see why advocate. a storyteller can't house rule that and, like, help his help his quadriplegic homie out. But, Potentially. Like, but, like, writing that into the book as being like, oh, no, here's an option. There's a character. There's, like, I mean, well, it's really – in cyberpunk, I mean, with it, I mean, it leads for an interesting too. story as to how certain cyberware was acquired, maybe. What's that? Say that again? In cyberpunk or Shadowrun? Yeah. You know, that could also lead to an interesting background as to how certain cyberware was acquired or why. You know, you're paraplegic, but then you've then spent the points elsewhere to get the proper... But then you're not paraplegic. Right. You've... But you're... It... <laughs> right. Well, I'm, I'm, you saying, know? I'm saying using it as, as part of a storytelling more okay. as than just how the dots are allocated. Yeah, well, now we're getting into storytelling I, versus I think, dots, and right. I mean, that's a I whole just, different I just think that there's, there's such a cool, like, environment with, like, that you can do with things like the rigging and, like... Like uh, like other stuff that you could have like a not present character, who like literally can't physically be present, and that could actually be a fun plot hook later on in the story. Or you know, in Shadow, like that, where like that player needs help because guess what? That, they got fucking traced. Right. You know, provided like, that guy has not. That guy's gonna. If you are going to make that character, if you're committing to playing that character, in my mind, you are also committing to putting in a lot more work than the other characters to involving yourself in the story. And uh, helping shape the narrative. Sure, you know, I, I could also see investment, right? Right. I mean, that's that's, that's the want. thing, though, because it's like a lot, if you have a guy who's like, I want to play this, and I got an idea, and then he gets into it, and he goes, uh, I don't know how to make this work. What do you do at that point? Well, you know, Usually I also, what I tell that guy is like, all right, we'll make that guy an NPC and roll up a different character. Because yeah. I have had that happen before, where somebody's sure. like, I don't like this character, and I go, well, he's in the middle of like seven different plots, so we're gonna NPC this guy, and yeah. you roll up your new character. Sure. Well, yeah. you know, I could also see like that paraplegic character, especially if you had two people coming in, like wanting to kind of tie their characters together. Well, I mean, okay, okay. I think we're we're focusing too much on the specific, yeah. not, not right. on the that general one here. <laughs> yeah, well, the the whole idea is 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 the initial burst of inertia and like how do you get that going? The, the fact of the matter I, is, I is mean, that, oh, go ahead, you go ahead. Well, when we talk about buy-in, I mean, it's like yeah, I don't expect full buy-in at the character creation because we're still I'm still giving stuff to the players they're still giving stuff to me we're still trading back and forth kind of information here right I mean the other thing to bear in mind too is like Picasso said uh, good artists copy great artists steal like I steal from a ton of other sources when I'm coming up with games like I what, there like what? Like, what do you yeah. steal from media oh, yeah. books well, TV shows like anything what, I really just, I, media well, and books no I mean I just mean, like can movies, you be specific movies, like anything, shows, anything just, in particular so all right for um changeling when I sat down and I wanted to run that I was like all right what do I want to do with this game what do I want it to be about and it was all right well Let's see. I need to have a fight between courts. And one of the things was I was, all right, so I need to find leaders for these courts. And for a long time, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with the um, uh, winter court. Because I was like, all right, these guys are the guys who are in charge of the city. What do I do with them? And then I heard, and everybody feel free to make fun of me at this point, uh, an Evanescent song, uh, uh, Snow White Queen. And I was like, oh, all right. Like, I started getting an idea in my head I'm of what to do. I'm not familiar with the song because yeah, I don't exactly. have Evanescence. <laughs> yeah. 
So there you go. But no, it was like, and I was like, okay, let me listen. And I listened to it and I said, okay, now I have an idea of the character that I want to use for this. Like, this kicked off a thought process in my head. I'm going to go with it. And like I said, feel free to make fun of me. You think you'd sing it for those of us that that aren't familiar with it? Is that for us like a band or something? No, there is nothing that you could do that would would make me more (laughs) ashamed than I already am admitting that to the greater world. But you know what? (laughs) Forget it. I like Evanescence. (laughs) Anyone who doesn't can suck my balls. I I saw them in concert once. I owned a couple albums. There you go. Yeah, See, so I do, you know. like... <laughs> are, we, are, are we really, like, comparing, like, comparing band dicks? Secret are we st- Are we are still we there now? Are we no, still we're like, not, because oh, uh, I no. don't care anymore. I, I have you a know very, what? very like, serious I have an, music interest I have an aha album, all right? So it's like, you know, no, sit I'll, here and judge me. I don't the, care. Adam, I'll, I'll agree with you, actually, completely. I'll, I'll, I have a huge music collection, mm-hmm. and I'll be listening to it, and I'll hear some song... And the way the song is phrased or something that's being described in the song will trigger an idea as either a plot hook or a, an NPC character right. for the game I'm and working on. And that was on. the thing when I was thinking about, well, okay, where do I want to set it? I was reading about uh, in a different article that I found on Slate or something. I don't know. One of the websites that, that aggregates those things was about the underground city in Seattle. And I said, that sounds amazing. There is a city that they had an earthquake and then they built the new city on top of it and they still do tours of this underground city and it exists in this thing. I need Mm. to use that. So I'm going to set it in Seattle. And then I started to think about, okay, what's in Seattle? And I was like, okay, there's the Space Needle. What can I do with that? Well, what if the Space Needle had an analog in the hedge and it was a nexus for something? Let's take a look at that. All right, so it's a nexus. What could it possibly be doing? Well, it could be a portal for uh, the Fae to come into the realm. But what would this portal exist for? Why would they have built this tower? All right, what if it's just this thing to collect nightmares to feed this horrible entity that lives within it? All right, cool. I can work with that. There's this analog to the Space Needle that exists in the hedge that collects the nightmares of the surrounding populace and causes a very disruptive effect on them. Now, what should this thing look like that lives in it? And then I started thinking back, and I remembered a character from Executioner's Song, which was an X-Men comic from the 90s, totally terrible, um, named Zero. And it was this completely white, featureless android with no face. And I said, well, that's pretty fucking disturbing. What if I had this weird-looking, like, androgynous, white-faced thing that lived inside of this tower and was feeding on the nightmares of the populace? All right, cool. Let's what, roll. Maybe with that. has the ability to take on the shape and form of. No, nightmares. he didn't really have that ability, but essentially he was very disruptive and he was drawing the Fae into the city uh, because he existed. And he was this nexus, this locus of power, and was generating a lot of uh, mystical energies. It drew the Fae into the city, which is what the Winter Court took over for was that everybody hunker down and let's wait this thing out because there is an awful lot of Fae activity here and we don't want to go to war with them. And the Summer Court was like, oh, yeah, actually, we do want to go to war with them. Mm. Um, and so that was an example of where I borrowed a bunch of things to build out a game. Well, I mean, doesn't I mean, yeah. Okay, you borrowed. You borrowed, I think you were inspired by a bunch of right, things, but I, right? I, I mean, stole you, you, zero pretty much like straight out, and like I, I just I, stole I, a bunch of ideas. You I know? once accidentally named a character in a Vampire the Requiem game Cassandra Nova, and she's straight out of uh, New X Men. Oh yeah, like, you're wh- right. The, whoops. Yeah, the like, yeah. Professor X's twin or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was okay. Like, I, I, for whatever yeah, reason, those I, Grant I had, thing. You know, you have so much shit rolling around in your head. You don't mm-hmm. even know what's yours anymore. Right. You know? That's a cool name. Oh, yeah, man, like, I'm a genius. Made sense. It made I sense. can't wait until the player characters meet Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you see, make but it so. It's, it's different. It's oh, different. that's what he should say. It's different when you when you do it subconsciously. Mm-hmm. 
and when you borrow it, like I remember Ben Heiligman ran a a D and D game once, and he just was not into making names for things, mm-hmm. so he just like ripped them all off out of Star Trek. Right. So we were going through this like D and D dungeon, everybody had Klingon names, and right. we were like, we were like, dude, come on, <laughs> come on, come on, dog, you're pulling the me out. The gold Ducat rises from the pit. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. All right. it, it only can be a lot of fun though sometimes awesome. also to throw those like. Uh, oh, I know. You're a big fan of the references. I am. You're a big I, fan of the like the Easter eggs, the kind of, you know, it, it used to be before there were Avengers movies that they put they put all this shit and like, spoon-fed it to you like uh, at the end of the movie. You know, it used to be back in the 90s and early 2000s, those old guys remember this, you used to have to watch the background of the screen and maybe there'd be these little these little things going on that the filmmakers would drop in there for you for your super nerds, right? Uh, our friend Jeff here is like a big fan of these fucking things, and he he litters his goddamn role playing games with them. They're everywhere, right? I don't litter them, but uh, I certainly uh, enjoy throwing them in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that's kind of my my own little like joke to myself as I'm writing this stuff is how many of the players are going to catch this reference? Get the reference? I see. I hate references. I hate references so much. I don't like to make references. I don't like what my players make references. Leave your references at home. It's just a per- personal thing. I'm not. I'm not beefing on you. I'm just beefing on like, like when, when, okay, like when somebody sits down, and they start doing Monty Python bits at the table, or they start doing the fucking Star Wars bits. I'm just like, I just want to. I mean, I want to come across the table with them. I want to be like, quit wasting my fucking time. Oh yeah, I mean, no, I and I like to think that most of the references I hide are better hidden and more cerebral than. Uh, Your ED two oh nine reference in Eberron dog. <laughs> Come on, man. Come yeah, on, okay. dog. That one was bad. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Cerebral. I didn't say all of them were winners. <laughs> but you know, you can you can also have a lot of fun with taking something that is a big literary reference and throwing it in as just a little background joke. Like what you mean? I was running a, uh, again, was set in a weird West setting. Okay. And I needed a doctor for the town. Okay. So I just, I the doctor was Dr. Frank Stein. Oh, jeez. You couldn't even go with Steen? Uh, really? You know, and, real, and, and, and I actually wrote some stuff in if the players ever bothered to investigate him. Like, yeah, he was stealing bodies from the local graveyard that's a little on the nose yeah that's like that's like yeah. that's no, like halloween was, humor you know it, it like, was, it like was derpy purely, halloween humor. it was purely thrown in there you, know, you, a, should, like, you should have kept like some candy corns behind the, the screen to, like throw in their face <laughs> whenever they met that guy see i think you can get away with that stuff depending on the type of game you're running though and like the the, the setting it's i don't know i i wouldn't use it in a vampire game but i think in other settings no, we, it might no. be able to this work. game was we were, i was actually running hunters the wild west so using the old hunter the uh what was it the reckoning system uh-huh set in a wild west campaign yeah so i threw in a few like real tongue-in-cheek gags like you that you love those you love your oh, cons because the hunter the hunter the reckoning system wasn't exactly the most serious yeah, it certainly like, wasn't. Well, like you, you know could, what? I still to this day say I never bought a single one of those fucking books. Like never you could take that game real seriously. I bought the core book because uh, I found it at a used bookstore for $10 in really dog-eared, chewed-up condition. <laughs> and then I read through it and went, yup. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you, you know what, man? If I, if I found one in a game store that had a $20 bill inside of it and I could buy it for 10 Still wouldn't. You, still wouldn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just <laughs> let it go. Piece of shit. Yeah, it wasn't very good. No, that's that's just 
I mean, you couldn't take that system seriously. You love that game. I mean, I, I shouldn't give you too hard a time about that because, I mean, I have my whole, like, Changeling the Dreaming thing where I had that huge collection of Changeling the Dreaming. That was, like, my game for a minute. It was, like, I, I, oh, I, I, I never even ran it. That was an expensive I collected, game. I collected yeah, I every copy of that book, but more of that was just the fact that I'm an absolutely, like, obsessive compulsive. Oh, almost I know. About, yeah, I don't oh, know Jesus anything about Christ. that. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. That's the worst part about this hobby sometimes. Oh, my God. Why am I buying this? All four of us, dude. This guy right here, this guy, Ben, he's got a complete collection of Cyberpunk 2020. Yep. I do. I just complete finished collection. it out. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I was on the awesome. drive-through RPG site the other day, and I was like, Goblin Markets is a book. I should buy that. And I was like, why am I why? Oh, is there a print version of that? Yeah. Why would I buy this? Why am I literally, shelling out money? Did you get it? No, I didn't. Why, get why it. would you not ago. buy it? I talked myself down. Oh, you're so good at that. I, I wish was, I, I wish I had you. I was on your... the. Oh, I'm gonna get it eventually. Like it's just a matter of time. It's gonna get bought because it's in my wish list now. But oh, I was just like, yeah, I'm not gonna buy it right you now. See, I feel like if you it. move something to your wish list, it's practically like putting it in some kind of weird purgatory. It's the that memory it never box escapes from. It just never comes out. It never escapes from it. Like if I put something in my cart on Amazon, mm-hmm. I don't buy it. I never buy it. It's like dead. Right. It's dead. So you just uh, have to do the one click, one click purchase. Send dude, it to me now. I am so ah. bad with the imp- the impulse, the impulsive buying. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I got a okay. So here's tales of Brendan. I got a um. I have a PayPal account. So we can run the FMRPG web page. Mm-hmm. So we can accept payments for shirts. And so PayPal's like, well, you got to have a, a card attached to it. Mm-hmm. They're like, would you like to apply for a card? I'm like, sure. Hey, here's a card. Right? I'm like, so wait, now I have a PayPal account with like a $400 line of credit. Mm-hmm. That I can just like with one button be like, send me a Warhammer toy. Right. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Bad. Not good. See, not a good. Yeah, sitch. you have to learn mechanisms to help you cope with it. Which is like. my mechanism for shopping <laughs> on things online is I take it and I add it to my wish list. If I still want it three days later, I am allowed to buy it. Oh, that's if good. I'm not allowed. If I st- if I haven't thought about it in three days, I'm just like, all right, and then it stays in the wish list forever. So the wish list just continually grows. It's got a bunch of crap in it, right? And I just go through, oh, yeah, that looks cool. And if I see anything in there, then I'm like, that looks cool. I have to move it to the top. And then if I still want it three days later, I am allowed to buy it. Oh. And so I have this really long wish list. You're never going to get to Goblin Markets then. I'm never going to get to Goblin no, Markets. No, you're never going to get that. Hopefully. Hopefully. There's hopefully, no way. But I don't know. You're, we'll you're see. Go, you're going to go home tonight, look no, at it, move not. it to the top yeah, of the wish list. Move it to the top of the list. <laughs> and in three markets. days, I'm going to go, ah. Uh, Goblin Markets. Oh, I'm really looking so forward to Promethean Second Edition. I know that sounds crazy, but they're just <laughs> yeah. Like, I read oh, Promethean First Edition. And you're giving me shit about those old Hunter books. I just feel like it could be a really good game. I just feel like maybe they will have fixed it. And, and you know, and, you should put a doctor in it called Doctor Frank Stein. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and he and he has a rivalry against Doctor Frank and Furter. Right, exactly. And, and there you go. Different and then his the nephew is uh, is Frankenstein. Oh then, Jesus! Uh, rest in peace, Gene Wilder. Are we talking about role playing here? We still are talking about. <laughs> all right, so we just got a little off the rails. I guess I haven't really gone through my methodology at all. What do I do? Um, I guess I'm kind of like Jeff here. I kind of get like a taste in my mouth, kind of, right? Like I'm kind of like, oh, I really, I really want to do a fantasy game, or I really want to do uh, something gritty, something. And I kind of have a feeling that goes along with that. 
you know, either, oh, I want to run, like, a bunch of humans, or I want to run some vampires, or sometimes I just really want to do fantasy. I don't know why. It's weird. Um, That's where we all I, came from. Yeah, right? I mean, I buy That's tons and tons of fucking games, and I, I never run them because I never have in the mood to run them. And looking at them... Well, it's a lot of work is the other thing. So I, it's, that's you know, I could sit here and I could run Kindred of these, but I'd have to put a lot of work into uh, it. Yeah, is that, that something that, that I want to put a lot of work into? At this point, that is definitely a thing because we're all so old and so busy now that, like, sitting down and rereading all those fucking Kindred of these books is going to be a big hassle. Right. I At one point, I had read them all. You know, mm-hmm. I'd read them all and I knew what was in them. I'd just be like, boop, yeah, I know all this shit. But now I I don't I don't know that and I have to refamiliarize myself with it. Right, I remember the like bone flowers and the devil tigers. That's about it. No, that's that's all stuff. I remember. That's all I remember. Uh, you know, I I found back in college I was driving around a lot. Yeah. And I found that downtime really good for the creative process. And now at work I'm now drive can be driving chunks of three and five hours at a time I- for work. I am so glad that you mentioned this because one of the I was thinking about this when we were talking about the episode earlier is I really kind of almost rue the loss of downtime in our society because of these stupid fucking phones. We're never more than like arm's length away from a personal computer at this point because of our because of our phones that has full internet access. And all the time I used to spend like walking around or sitting on the bus or riding my bike and kind of daydreaming about what I was going to do in my game, I now spend scrolling on the fucking internet. Well, they're and very interrupty too, because if you don't pay attention to them, they start beeping at you and dinging, and then well, you open it up, and oh, no, I got 47 yeah, notifications. You, you got work responsibilities. I don't have that kind of shit in my life. I can just turn the thing off, and it's quiet, but I, it, I feel like it all is always drawing me back into it, and it won't let me rest. And even when I'm driving around in the car, I put on podcasts, and so I, so I'm always. This is one of the problems with my fucking the Age of Sigmar thing is I was listening to something like five hours worth of Age of Sigmar podcasts like a day, you know. So I mean, what I did to like, solve that was uh, just get into <laughs> endurance sports, and then created a rule that I'm not allowed to listen to things while I'm doing them. Um, so when I go out on a 10-mile run on the weekend or whatever, it's just me and my feet and the environment, and I have one of two choices. Either I do the no-mind thing, or I have to let my brain spin through all of the stuff that's in it. But, I mean, do you get to think about role-playing while you're out there? If oh, you- I am planning on doing a game, I will sit there and I will think about it. And it was one of those things where it's like, all right, I'm going to slow my pace down and just take this at a nice, easy clip. Uh, and oh, okay. Just think about stuff. I just want to start free associating as I go. The downside is I can't write while I'm doing yeah. it. Um, so what I will do is during the day, I carry a small little um, notepad with me that I can yeah. make notes in and a pen. So that's been very helpful. That's another trick that I picked up. I carry um, these I'll... sketchbooks that you can buy at the art store. They're like two bucks or something, mm-hmm. and they're blank. Right. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I used uh, quad paper, this little, the graph paper. Right, yeah, graphing uh, paper. Because that gives you lines both horizontally and vertically. I mm-hmm. found that was really good for um, organizing my ideas. But then I recently, I just, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's, I've been moving in this whole direction away from static ideas and into more looser, freeform ideas. And so I got rid of the quad paper. Now I just use blank paper. No lines at all. 
no lines. And I'm like you, I do everything by hand. Mm-hmm. Because for whatever reason, I, there's something so antiseptic about using a computer. I also that I if I if I have multiple documents or things with many pages, I can't toggle back and forth between between sources fast enough. Whereas if I just have a pile of papers in front of me, I can lay them all out and I can see. Well, the it issue can, I have with the computer is it's essentially a distraction machine. So I'm sitting there and I'm typing on it, but the internet's never more than a quick click away. Oh, Music's never more than a click away. A video of a cat is never more than a click away. So I can't, I, I don't have the discipline to be able to use a computer to do that kind of work. And people at my job, because I'm a, I write software for a living, make fun of me because I walk around with a physical notebook. It's like, oh, old man. Yeah. And it's just, I was like, hey, this is the only thing that works for me because otherwise there's too many distractions. I may be ADD. I have no idea. Um, I was diagnosed with it when I was younger, but who the hell knows? Like, I don't know, like 40% of kids are. Maybe I grew out of it. Maybe I never did. But I find it much easier to focus when it's just me and a page and a pen. And like I said, I like that tactile feedback. I like yeah. that scratching sound. Yeah. I like all of the aspects of doing things in that analog fashion. Yeah. I think it might have something to do with our art background. Could be. Could because have something to do the way with that. Because the way that that feels. Because I do mm-hmm. the same thing. I get made fun of by millennials. They're like, you know, there's a calendar inside your phone. Right. I'm like, this is You can use a Wacom tablet to draw. And it's like, I still don't do digital art just because I'm like, I don't know that. I, like, it's a thing I'm interested in, but then I got to go and I learn it and I got to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Wait, you, you, oh, so, you know, since, since I'm driving a lot as I'm thinking about these games, I don't have the ability to write shit down. But I've started doing digital recordings and just turning on my voice recorder and giving thoughts to myself that then I'll listen to later and decide what I want to keep and what I want to. So I think you probably the, have the, a digital recorder because of your profession. I don't have one. No, so it's in your phone. No, there's one. Oh, is there one? In, there's one in your right, phone. Well, there's one yeah, in I don't use phone. the one in my phone. You see, okay, like I, I was doing that when I was in Los Angeles and the mm-hmm. one and only time I was ever in a car accident I was using a digital recorder. I was like, I looked down to turn it on and I bumped the guy in front of me. Yeah. And so I just don't even do it. I'm not in the car. I, I try I I try not to daydream about my games while I'm in the car because it's like I'm trying to I have I want to be present mm-hmm. you know I I hate that feeling when you get you to work drive over a kid yeah like, you know when you're like how did I get here like that, well I ran know? over that kid but I had a really great idea yeah, for yeah. this NPC dude the, well, I mean <laughs> when I get out in five years I'm totally gonna run you're, that you're, game people are gonna love you in prison man you're gonna be yeah. running all these great games for that's that. right well and I, I would certainly agree I do not sit there and daydream about games around Phoenix and rush hour traffic but I'm doing these drives that are three four hours out into the you get that highway hypnosis. Yeah, I mean, you're, out. Uh, yeah. You know, you're, you're just you're locked along, going along at 80 miles an hour. You're gonna see any shit before long before you have to deal with it. So you can kind of let your mind wander a little bit. You say so, homie. I I, I don't know. I I guess I was kind of like that when I used to drive between here and California a lot. It's such a long drive. You have right. You, Once you, you get past Indio, you're just like, oh. You you can't you can't remain super focused. Your mind starts to wander. But I would try it. I listen to music, but I try to keep my mind on the road because, Jesus, you just never know what's going to happen. Anyway, enough of that shit. What about, what about you, Ben? You feel like you haven't said anything in a while? What you got, buddy? Uh, no, I just kind of listened to how you guys process about, like, uh, thinking, how you, how you uh, set aside time. I guess for me, I just, I just try and set aside, like, a certain amount of time each day. That's my goal right now is, like, is like an hour of creative time every day. Yeah, that's and, good. Uh, that's smart. Just try and, and – and, and if, if – if I start fiddling away the time and it's not working well, then, then uh, you know, I, I don't 
I, I usually give up maybe like if I if I try for like literally try for like a half an hour and I can't get anything done, then I move on. But but uh, that's that's rarely happens. So. That was one of the right. things I liked about you know, the artist way was that daily journaling and it was a it was a half hour and it was time boxed and you had to sit there and you had to sit there and scratch the, out on a paper for that long and if you had nothing to write you just still kept writing. Just the the, the book that Adam is talking about everybody is called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, right? Mm-hmm. Who's James Cameron's wife, right? I or think sister so. or something. Some, some relation and, there, but it's anyway, a really good book. I really yeah, recommend it. It's really nice. Don't buy the add-on crap because you don't she, need it, but. She's made a whole kind of like cottage industry. Yeah, where you can buy the journals with the thing and all the pens and that. Yeah, don't buy any of that. Buy the main book because it's really, really good. And go through the process because it was really really, helpful for me. You should. It's it's one of those books. I feel like if you're a writer or your creative type, you should probably take a look at it. It's up there with uh, the art dramatic writing by Ladros Egri and Mm -hmm. and on writing by Stephen King. It's a little pretentious in spots. She's obviously a person who's very well healed and has access to this kind of languid, luxurious writer's life. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're like getting up in the morning and like like changing your kids and slamming coffee and off to your fucking grinding job, you don't really have the time to to look at the the New Mexico mountains from right. your There's backyard. Right. There's a lot of that weird stuff, but the patio, one thing it does like do is does. enforce that discipline on you. Yeah. Of you have to do this every yeah. day. You have to be a and. It was something I was really missing for a while, and now that I'm doing like the daily art challenge for Dungeon Degenerates, and oh all that, yeah, it's good. It's really forcing me back into that headspace, and I I started iterating quickly on stuff. Where I was okay, here's what I'm gonna do. Here's the thing I'm gonna put out, and this is what I'm gonna get done today, and this is the right. time that I'm gonna allocate to it. Smart. Hey, you, Brandon, you kind of, we kind of cut you off, Adam. I did off on our tangents there. You were telling us about your oh your method and. I guess I don't really have much more to say. I guess I, I'm in this point for trans- transition right now. I used to be a very detail-oriented guy, and I went through a very detail-oriented process where I would write and write and write and write and write and write and write, and I had tons and tons of binders and file folders full of full of shit. And As Adam has pointed out, you don't end up using half of it. But that's not really the point, I guess, because the process of doing it is good. You learn, you learn and you learn and you learn while you're while you're writing. What ended up being sort of weird for me was I've had a couple of sort of non-starter games in which players just didn't pick up the ball. And I think that some of it was because of the way I ran the games. I've just, I've run some games that just fallen flat. They're they're boring and they're not fun. Uh I ran a Requiem Montreal uh, game in particular that was particularly bad. I remember running that for you guys. You were in that. Greg Dolberg was in that. Holy shit, just a bad game. Was and Greg in that one? Yeah, he, yeah, for like a session or something. Okay. Um, but it wasn't. We didn't run for many sessions at all. But now I'm trying to do more loose stuff. I'm really trying to play. I'm really trying to embrace kind of these more more narrative concepts and and. Uh, thinking on the fly and having less less static control and more player involvement. This is one of the things that, I mean, I think that we've all kind of paid lip service over the course of this evening to kind of like, oh, well, let them make their backstory and see if you can factor in their flaws and stuff like that. But I've done a lot of thinking lately, and this podcast has been very interesting because it's given me the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people who are in the industry and who do this differently than I do. 
And when I started this podcast, I was set in my ways. And I was like, oh, I know how to do this and don't fucking tell me that I don't. But over the last year, we've been doing this almost a fucking year now, I've I've encountered so many people, different people who have put games in my hands and who taught me about the, the, the experiences that they've had that's really changed my style a lot. Um... Now I look back on what I consider to be some of my greatest achievements, quote unquote, in gaming. Games that I used to take pride in as being like, oh, these are examples of my great storytelling. And I realized that they were, that if I was doing 50% of the work, then being generous with myself. Those games were great because of the work that players put into it. And that you have to give the players the room to breathe. And you have to give them the room to write. And you can't suffocate them with preconceived notions about what this story is or where it's going. That it's it's the conversation that is so great. It's the conversation that's great. Nobody wants to fucking hear your goddamn magnus opus. Nobody gives a shit. Right. And like I said like I said on the podcast the other week, like if you want to write a novel, write a novel. I think, I think I, you said that to me. <laughs> I, really? Yeah. Did I? I've spent. I've spent. Uh, I've. I've. I have tried that. You know. I. I dabble with it, and I, it's never far from my mind. Well, the I'm fun always thing though going is, back. If, if you've ever tried to write a novel, the characters in your novel aren't any more cooperative than the characters in your game. Um, there are definitely times where you will get yeah. to a point in writing your novel where the characters are not doing the things you want them to do. Because like, would he really do that? I don't... feels like he would do something, and then you end up aborting it or, or yeah. giving up on it, I, having gone through that process a couple right. times. So, yeah, I, you know, we, we've been talking about it. It's a collaborative process, and you have to have buy-in both ways. And I think you yeah. can do it. You can run games that are very freeform, very open like that, and there's a ton of great systems that allow you to do that. And it's really been a renaissance for those types of systems lately. Um, But you can also still run the traditional story-driven game, which is what all of the supplements and everything that come out. Because when we first started running games, we were basing our decisions on what was available to us. And that was things like Storyline X or City Book X or, you know, whatever. And so we had this very dogmatic approach to it where, no, we have to sit down and run it like this. And as we've gotten older, we've realized, oh, that's not the way it has to be. There are other options. We can do other things with our gaming. We can give people freedom. And because of our experience and the fact we've been doing it for a long time, we can think on our feet a lot better. When I was younger, if you did something completely off the wall, I would sit there and be paralyzed with an action and not know what to do. Now I'm much better about rolling with it because I go, okay, I've played again. Let's see where he goes with this. Let's just see where they take it. Whereas the younger me would be like, oh, I got to I gotta get a lid on this because we have to get back on hunting down, uh, you know, this character to I, go I find him and stop his plan. I, I think that, that modules are interesting in that they are instructive. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that they teach you how to run the game by running them. And they teach you how to play the game by playing through them. So I've, I've learned I, I do a love lot modules. from bad modules. I've a learned, lot more from bad modules than I oh have from no, good, Oh, no. I totally disagree. I've learned so much more from good modules. Really? Council of Thieves, Giovanni Chronicles, fucking great games that just are so instructive. You know, I, I, I think i got to agree to some extent, Brendan, but you know, you note about wanting to, to get together and write the story with the players, and I agree with that to some extent, but I think there's also a certain 
and maybe it requires higher level of buy-in with the players if if the underlying story is a gritty science fiction noir and and the underlying players want to play high want to write a high fantasy story those concepts you're just gonna that's sp- that buy-in we talked about earlier right, though if i sit to yeah. you and i pitch you that story and you go i don't want to play that then I don't. You shouldn't be at my table. Exactly. No, we that's should, what I'm saying. Or, or not even my table. You shouldn't be at the table with the players and me. You should go find another option. You should find yeah. a better solution that you're, fits you. Exactly. What you're really that's pitching is a concept, right. right? And like, if, if they don't, if they don't, if they're not with your concept, then well, it's okay, not, not it's, work. it's kind of interesting. Uh, Adam and I have been listening to a podcast called Friends at the Table. Mm-hmm. It's very easy Which to is find. An interesting <laughs> podcast. It was featured on iTunes. It's like the number one podcast in that category. Yeah, it's very easy to find if you want to listen to it. Friends at the Table. And uh, it's an actual play. And it's by some people who are, it's a, they're a mix of experienced and non-experienced role players. Mm-hmm. And um, we're gonna, this will be our last point, and then we'll wrap it up. So... I would highly encourage anybody to who's who is on the fence at what we've said tonight to go and listen to this because the first episode of that podcast is them doing a dungeon world world, world building. building. Yeah, it's really that, interesting. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It sold me on Dungeon World too. Yeah, like right away. Because I, I need just, to get a copy of Dungeon World. Yeah, like, I, 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 really gotta, I gotta have this game. I gotta own this. Mm-hmm. And what the GM starts out doing is he says, "Okay, well, I'm we're gonna play Dungeon World, so it's gonna be a fancy game." And I want to run something kind of like this. And then he gives a very loose pitch. Like, I want it to take place in a world that's kind of like X and has a little bit of X in it. How does everybody feel about that? And everybody goes, oh, yeah, sure, fine, fine. And like, okay, well then, let's start fleshing out that world together. So he doesn't even have a world yet. They're, they, they, they co-build it together. And I was talking to Heather, and I'm like, this just solves all those times when you're like, Oh, we're gonna play D and D, and what I want to play is I want to play like this drow prince who's like, who's like an assassin and a spy, and he like wears these like fine clothes, and he and like and he's like he speaks in all these double entendres and like has a porcelain mask and like all this other shit. I want to play Paladin and, of Baphomet. And then and then you show up at the game, and the, <laughs> and the fucking and the and the GM's like, oh, you're playing Dark Sun, and none of that shit that you're talking about exists in this world. And you're like, yeah, but well, I'd be like, fuck. hell's yeah, Dark Sun, yeah, let's well, do this. Right. This yeah, is yeah, amazing. Yeah. Anyway, blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the whole point is, the whole point is, is if you want there to be an Elven Kingdom in that world that has all that shit, then you then the, then the player says, well, I want to play this type of elf, and so you think, well, okay. Where can I put in that setting this thing so that it so that you can and right. then, and, th- and then there's a back and forth and there's a conversation yep. like like well I don't know about all the silk shit like okay let's say we are playing Dark Sun like well maybe there's some elves that have a side like that but maybe you're not like wearing all this finery and crap can you can you live without that and then they say well yeah okay a very similar thing happens in the fate based systems too before you start like like uh, you know you do a lot of world building and stuff like that ahead of time with the players so. Well, I'll be experimenting with that here very shortly, and uh, I'll let you guys know how it goes. Right on. I'm sure it'll be, be amazing. Thank you to everybody for coming down. Jeff, thank you, as always, for your for your wisdom. My pleasure. You know, one thing I'd just like to say in wrapping up here to everybody out there that may be listening to this, um, we're a bunch of crusty old GMs oh, here. Yeah. We've all been doing this. Not, do not let anything we've said here deter you from going out, picking up a book, and trying trying it out. Every one, every guy at this table has face planted more times than we can count. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this. everyone's not real me. Stinkers. Everything that I touch is gold. Twenty-four and karat yeah. gold. I that, don't know what you're talking about. I've run more bad games than good. Yeah, and that's definitely. where that's where these experiences Same. and this Maybe advice comes from. Is 
Quit all the face plants we've stuff. had. So don't be out. Don't be afraid to go out there and ha- make your own mistakes, have your own problems, because all those are just going to serve to make you a better GM farther down the road. Indeed, indeed. Well said. Well if said. you're not crying Thank in you. the shower at some point during running games, you're not doing it right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if if you if it doesn't no one test can see all, the tears that way. If it doesn't it's, test all your friendships and make you question whether you even want to like do it, then, then you're not yeah. doing it right. It's a pro tip. It's just cry in the shower and no one can see it. <laughs> And plus, the water noise covers up the sobbing. It's, it's that's perfect. That's how I get through my life. Well, Adam, thank you for joining us. Thank you for, for, for sharing the pro tips. Ben, pleasure as always. As always. All right, and thank you, dear listeners, for stopping in and uh, spending another two hours of your of your life with us, Pullman RPG. And we hope to see you again next week. Bye bye. Even the Fuck. shit ones. I know. Fuck Dave and Buster's though. I know. What I don't kind like Dave and Buster's either. Sorry, ass child molesting motherfucker wants to go to Dave and Buster's. My kids love Dave and Buster's. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I guess they're, they're child yeah. molesters. No, they're little children. Are they molesting they're themselves? Little children. That's a I'm good talking question. about like know. adult ass motherfuckers that uh, get all like, oh, we gotta hold the fancy football draft at Dave and Buster's because I'm a pedo. I've created a monster, cause nobody wants to see Marshall no more They want shady, I'm chopped liver Well if you want shady, this is what I'll give you A little bit of weed, mix with some hard liquor Some vodka that'll jumpstart my heart quicker than a shock When I get shocked at the hospital by the doctor When I'm not cooperating When I'm rocking the table while he's operating You waited as long to stop debating Cause I'm back, I'm on the rag and ovulating I know that you got a job, Miss Cheney But your husband's heart problem's complicating So the FCC won't let me be Or let me be me, so let me see they try to shut me down on MTV, but it feels so empty without me. So come on and dip, come on your lips, fuck that, come on your lips and some on your tits and get ready. Cause this shit's about to get heavy, I just settled all my lawsuits. Fuck you, Debbie! Now this looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me. Cause we need a little controversy, cause it feels so empty without me. I said this looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me. Cause we need a little controversy, cause it feels so They start feeling like prisoners helpless Cause someone comes along on a mission and yells Bitch! A visionary, vision is scary Can start a revolution, polluting the airwaves a rebel So just let me revel and bask in the fact that I got everyone kissing my ass And it's a disaster, such a catastrophe For you to see so damn much of my ass you ask for me Well I'm back Fix your bin antenna, tune in and I'm gonna enter in and up under your skin like a splinter The center of attention, back for the winner, I'm in arresting The best things in wrestling, investing in your kids, here's the nesting Testing, attention please Feel the tension, soon as someone mentions me Here's my ten cents, my two cents is free A nuisance, who sent, you sent for me? Now this looks like a job for me, so You can get your ass kicked Worse than them little limp biscuit bastards And Moby, you can get stomped by Obi You 36-year-old boy-headed fag lonely You don't know me, you're too old, let go, it's over Nobody listen to techno, now let's go Just give me the signal, I'll be there with a whole list full of new
with a pencil ever since Prince turned himself into a symbol. But sometimes the shit just seems everybody only wants to discuss me. So this must mean I'm disgusting. But it's just me, I'm just obscene. Yeah. So I'm not the first king of controversy. I am the worst thing since Elvis Presley to do black music so selfishly and use it to get myself wealthy. Hey, there's a concept that works. 20 million. 